0: Opinions expressed on ACB Radio are those of the respective program contributors and do not necessarily reflect views held by the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff.
1: Let us all look and evaluate everything in our lives. For me, March 11th was a pivotal day. Two days before the first confirmed case of COVID in this state, I sat in my office where I'm sitting right now, and I had to make the decision whether we would ride out the proverbial storm that was coming or if we would close our doors. At that time, 33% of our residents in-house were homeless, nowhere to go. So I decided to stay open and to continue to serve and to keep my staff and clients safe. That was one of the loneliest days that I ever experienced in a leadership role. I was literally making a decision that could impact lives. But even that is nothing new to those of you who have blazed trails and overcame those obstacles and those roadblocks throughout life. During the course of the pandemic, as numbers continued to rise in the infection rate, our homeless population April to June rose to 50%. And just before Thanksgiving, we sat at 65%. Why? For many of those that are in our population, they're relying on other family members and may help to provide support to a household. But as 40 million Americans hit the unemployment rolls, people began to lose their homes. That impacted those that we serve. A pandemic within a pandemic that didn't get the advertisement that the other pandemic did. The RSVA members have endured their own pandemic within a pandemic. Closure of facilities and loss of income, many times with no light at the end of the tunnel. But what did you do? You held your head high and you do what you do. You survived, you've thrived within the circumstances which you had no control over. And that brings us to today. Proof that you have endured as we meet separately and yet together and as you support one another and as you begin to draw the roadmap to what will lead you into the future. What will that future hold? None of us know. But what I do know is that those of you on this call are leaders in your own right. Many of you have paved the way for people like me. I was 31 years old when I lost my vision and started my blindness journey 20 years ago. I was graced with access to wonderful resources and technology and the things that each one of you have fought so hard for. And for that, I say, thank you. You made my journey easier and the journey for so many that I serve easier. And it's my job to make sure that I pay that forward and do the same for the next generation of people who are blind. Being sure that services are available, quality services are available to allow people to have the right tools in their toolbox to live the life that they want. Mind you, I know that my corner of the world will only have a small impact on a small percentage of people that could benefit. But my commitment is to c- continue to build partnerships and bridges, breaking down silos so that we all can serve more people. You know, I often think of the starfish story as the young boy was walking along the beach. He would bend over and fling a starfish back into the ocean. When an old naysayer approached him and said, boy, Don't you realize there's miles and miles of beach and millions of starfish. You can't possibly make a difference. The boy bent over and picked up another starfish and flung it into the swell of the ocean and said, I made a difference to that one. That should be our commitment as leaders in the field of blindness is to make a difference one at a time by impacting the lives of just one person you may not change the world, but you will change the world for that one person. And even if it's not a person who's blind, it's that person who comes to you in your stand. It's it, it, it's that person that you approach on the street that thinks to themselves, wow, look at that person. Look at that person who just happens to be blind because we all know that you're not defined by your blindness, but I stand, I stand in awe and I'm humbled that I had the opportunity to join you today as we continue to navigate unchartered waters. And hopefully I've been, provide, been able to provide you with some words of encouragement and to simply say, thank you for being you. Now, go forth and conquer and just keep on doing what you guys do. I love you guys. And I appreciate the opportunity to speak. I'm happy to take any questions. I didn't want to... I I didn't want to, artists asked me to be a motivational speaker, and so I didn't want to turn it into a commercial, so (laughs) um, I I, I wanted to provide those words of encouragement, and you know, at three o'clock this morning, it kind of hit me (laughs) as to, you know, what, how much you guys have meant to me within my journey, and so I'm always, always, always happy to be able to join you, so.
0: Do we have any questions?
1: Um,
2: Yes, Sharon, would you tell us a little bit about um, how you uh, went through the initial times? I mean, uh, some of the things that really helped you get started, uh, what kind of uh, steps you took to get you through the initial process, because I know sometimes that's helpful to people who are um, sometimes even just losing more sight. Sometimes they have difficulty adjusting, so perhaps that might be helpful. Thank you
1: sure. thanks, artist. So yeah, I know that you know, I was the first blind person I met, and <laughs> I I say that tongue-in cheek, but it's true. I had absolutely positively nothing to benchmark this off of to say, well, you know, this is how my journey should be, and the more that I and the more that I talk or the more that I go into this, the more that I realize that you know, I knew, nothing i didn't even know what i didn't know then but what i do know is that i had access i had access to an agency that provided me with rehab services um i had an agency that provided me with the skills training that i needed for a job you know my very first job as a person who was blind i went i was diagnosed with ms in may of 2001 and so I went from 2020 vision to nothing, nothing vision in a matter of seven months. Started the rehab services very early on. By January of 2002, I was working on the assembly line packing gloves for TSA. And so, you know, when you go through the airport and they molest you, I mean, frisk you with those <laughs> gloves, you can thank a person who's blind in Utica, New York for doing those for you. And, but, you know, I had no marketable skills as a person who was blind. I did not know how to be a blind person. I was an army combat medic and here I was packaging gloves. But, you know, I never viewed that as my only option that I ever had. It was a stepping stone I had to, I had to learn how to be a blind person and what that meant because I didn't know what that meant. But, you know, what helped me through all that was the ability to look to other people who, I mean, have became my heroes in this journey to be able to say, you know, this is hard right now, but you'll be okay. Or that, you know, I'm this person and I've done this. And, and, and it's that encouragement, you know, cause everybody's journey is their own and it's very unique. And the more that I'm in the field, the more that I realize exactly how unique that it really is. And so, You know, having that access, but always being able to go back and making learning a lifelong process. I mean, because as things evolve, you know, I think about in 2001, when I first started, I think about how far technology has advanced and you know how many things that we have accessible you know this is a great time if you're going to go blind this is a great time to go blind why not I mean because we have these you know we have these great gadgets I'm sitting here on a Mac computer on the Zoom call I've got my iPad I've got the iPhone I've got another iPhone over here that belongs to our housing department and because we're closed down because of weather right now but you know we have we have things that, you know, I think about you guys. I, I I had all the technology when I went through college. When I went blind, I had a high school diploma. By the time that I made it here, I had two master's degrees. And I think about I had all this technology available to me and you guys were back there beating it out on a slate and stylus or you were carrying your Perkins Brailler around with you, you know, just doing, you know, this the entire time. I can't imagine doing that and I mean you guys are the smartest ones in the room and so for that I mean that's why I say that I'm humbled when I get to come before you guys I mean because you've just paved those roads and and those adjustments you know you think about people like with RP or that have degenerative eye conditions rather than just going and going from you know sighted to to a blackout or wherever you're at and you're stable you have those lulls and you have those ups and downs and you're constantly readjusting, but you know, being able to have access to services and, and, and being able to turn to a place that understands that. And that's one of the places that I really want to position WSB in. And as we've continued to expand our services and scholarship funding, um, just where we know that you can't always go back to your state rehab agency to say, I need these other services because this is happened. They're like, well, you're employed. Oh, well, you know, you're just going to have to figure it out on your own. Just where we can add some <laughs> private funding to be able to do some of this um, and to offer some scholarship programs through that. So that 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 was going around my elbow. Um, you know, that was going around my butt to get to my elbow artist. But I think I answered that question.
3: Sure. Sharon. Hey there. It's Karen. Hey. Hey. Uh, can I ask you a question, please? Um, I, I absolutely, I don't want to put you on the spot. So I'm going to ask this in a, in a weird kind of phrasing way. Um, and you and I've kind of touched bases on this once about a year ago, but well, you're you kind know, of weird anyway.
1: I mean, so I don't, I right? that. <laughs> don't tell anybody, Sharon. <laughs> they all know, Karen, it's not a secret. <laughs>
3: All right, so um, here, here's my question. You know, in in your introduction, Dan Siffle said that World Services uh, used to do a lot with the Randolph Shepherd training, and what I'm wondering is if if World Services would really ever consider, um, you know, implementing another training for Randolph Shepherd. I mean, and in, in it, I'm going to follow up with a statement. In my opinion, I could see where it could be very beneficial for World Services, but also for the blind community because so much of what we do in Randolph Shepherd right now is limited to one online training and I'm not saying anything negative necessarily about their training but I think it would, it would be great if the SLAs in the different states had another option. Sure
1: yeah. and so yeah we it, it, Karen and I talked about this pretty extensively at one time and I still have notes from that as a matter of fact and you know, we wanted to start with our Arkansas youth and training them. And so we have our own little vending stand here that when we have the summer kids in, they run that. And we have all of our clients who run their own little vending stand here during break time, lunchtime, and then in the evening. But, you know, to be able to get deeper into that technology and to really have the people who understand how to use that technology. And I know that a lot of it across the board would be Pretty easy to make one general program for, but then to also be able to customize. You know, I know that you guys have some difficult things that you have to do, whether it be with accounting programs or Excel. And some of it's even just, you know, formatting that training that as new people are coming in to learn some of those basic things that you have to know as a vendor, you know, no different than in hospitality, but, you know, like when you're stocking your shelves first in, first out you know, how do you keep, you know, how do you do accounts receivable and accounts payable and to be able to actually understand that to where you're not, you know, to where you have your right margins and all that stuff. And to get that understanding because I know a lot of the people that we see who come in and that's within our populace, a lot of them would make great Randolph Shepard Um, you know, operators. And I just think that there's such an opportunity for that, that I would actually love to have a program, not only of how to train new ones, but to have that ongoing lifelong learning that you have a place where you can come back into. And, um, you know, it's like, Hey, you know, we just had this upgrade in
4: our
1: system, our point of sale system, and we need to be able to reach further, you know, for this, and there's nobody there to help us do that, and if we could be on the forefront of being able to do that, and frankly, I mean, I think that there's probably grant funding that's available that could, you know, set up a scholarship program for this, and I would love to explore that with you guys. I I will make you a personal guarantee that
3: if, if you folks are really willing to consider it I would be more than willing, as would probably the rest of the board members or, or any other members of RSVA, to come out and work with your staff and with you and really, you know, bringing you up to speed on everything that's involved. Uh, sure. I am not looking for a new job, so I would never want to be a trainer out there. However, I would have no object in coming out and, and forcing myself to spend some time
1: with you. And for, right, you know, and I know where all the good networking places are, Karen. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, Sharon. <laughs> Thanks for the question, Karen, and the thought. Sharon
5: Scott Egan here. I, I, I would like to hello. I would like to uh, uh, dovetail on what Karen said. I I feel this is a real important thing uh, for training for. Uh, for our vending operators and I use vending kind of in quotes because I realize that throughout the country, different folks do different things and I get that. But um, training is a piece that I don't know if we can ever quite get enough of, but I can only speak to you as a member of uh, the RSA or RSVA group here. Um, But I would love to see us entertain at least a first sit down. Let's sit down and talk about this because I'm already hearing sparks going off all over the place here. Uh, I, I think there might be a possibility we could put something together, but w- we really need to sit down and have a one-to-one and find out one, what we're looking for, and two, how do we accomplish that goal? And I, I, I would be willing to entertain
1: that. I would love that because, you know, there's nothing like remembering where you came from and knowing that this that, uh, that this agency was founded specifically for serving that program. I would love to reinstitute that and and I think that that would reconnect our history with our future. And I mean it's just one more offering that is a very good offering and you know, I've worked really hard over the last six years of rebuilding this agency. You know, we didn't have the best reputation i'll be the first one to stand in front of an audience to say that WSB screwed up before I came here and I've worked really hard to dig us out of the ditch and to fix that and i mean not just in our program offerings but in january of 2019 we embarked on a capital campaign we're putting three and a half million dollars just in mechanical systems here um and we're continuing that fundraising effort um to up the rest of the facilities i mean you know to move it from that mid-century to make private rooms with private bathrooms and all that. But, you know, the important thing is, and, and and the beauty of it is, is we can deliver any of this that you're talking about, we can deliver it remotely. Um, and that's why I say that that learning's that lifelong process. I mean, and we're not just one of those ones that's like, we're just gonna send you an email. We actually have a learning management system. We have our own Zoom platform. And I have remote instructors that do this all the time, so. Um, I would love to have that visit. Let's um, talk about a get together, and and you know if you guys want to come out here, or I can go meet you at any networking place.
5: I I, I enjoy networking, so I'm right I'm
1: exactly. Oh, we I, believe I, we all do.
3: Yes, that <laughs> networking is key. Um, Sharon, I I just see so much potential. Um, you know, it, it sometimes we have to go back. where we started from to continually move forward and and i will tell you you know and i'm not just saying this because you're my friend because you are truly um you the way you have changed the outlook of world services and the reputation is definitely on the upswing and that's all because of you and i just want you to know that us leaders in the blind community absolutely recognize you for all your dedication and what you've done with world services, your staff, your, um, all the different programs you have worked on and, and just cleaning up the reputation and it's all because of you. So I personally
1: want to say, thank you. I appreciate that. I really do. And I do it, you know, I do it with all my heart and soul. I had a client come to me yesterday and it, it, I just had uh, yesterday afternoon. I had to move everybody out of the dorms into a hotel because of weather-related issues that started on Monday and then they kind of capstoned on Tuesday. And so we had to make the decision yesterday to move everybody out temporarily. And um, I had one of the clients come to me and she says, you know, she says, I was in the computer lab at five o'clock Monday morning and she said, you were outside shoveling so we have a safe place to be able to walk between our classrooms and if we needed to go out for a smoke break. She says, then she says, you came to my room for a maintenance call. She says, then you had to bail out 500 gallons of water in one room. And then the next day we had a major main break Mm -hmm. here and we had another thousand gallons of water in another part of the campus and had to disable the water and was back at 5 a.m. Oh, and in between that, I pulled two eight hour shifts. And so I was up for a total of 52 hours getting through this. And then yesterday was in shoveling snow into garbage cans and melting it in the cafeteria. So we had water to flush toilets with before we moved everybody. And she says, you know something? She says, you did that all with a smile on your face. And she said, you left the lines of communication open. And she said, and you made us all feel safe. And it definitely has been recognized your,
3: your dedication.
1: Man, um, that I'm made me sure. cry, Karen. <laughs> I actually I like hear cry. <laughs> um, I, I don't know
3: how much time we have, but I have one small follow-up question. If we Do we still have time, Scott? You have yes, six you minutes. Yeah. I have ahead. six minutes. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'll make this one very brief. Um, the blind community has been under just this little bit of dark shadow lately. And I know that when students um, or trainees come to World Services, they're safe. And it's, it's another thing that I really respect, but just your views on code of conduct and how you manage to keep all of your residents safe. Because acknowledging that there has been a problem in the blind community is, is out there now. And we have to, as responsible blind leaders, uh, let the public know, we acknowledge there has been a problem, but this is what we're doing differently.
1: Sure. So... I'll speak to that because I, you know, I was in probably as much shock as everybody else when I seen that first break. And, you know, I have a great deal of respect for both leaders of both of those or or of the two residential organizations. I don't know the one in Minnesota, but I do know Pam Allen well and I know Julie well out there in Colorado. And I think that it's not, I don't think that it's isolated just to, Those residential centers, I think that I think I think it's kind of systemic across the blindness community in blind residential facilities. Um, I've heard stories coming out of schools for the blind um, and what have you, but it is scary and you know it's one of those things that we looked at so i'll give an example we're we're very strict in how we handle our code of conduct our students now now i'm not going to say. That there's not hanky-panky that happens every once in a while. (laughs) I would not want to walk through some of these places with a black light, but (laughs) it is consensual and it's not my staff, I can tell you that, but that stuff's going to happen. You know, one of the things is we all have a common thread that runs through and I think that it makes this community really, really close and that's because of the things that we've endured and it's our blindness, but- my uh, my instructors and all of my staff are held to an extremely high standard. We document and we communicate. That's part of it. And so and so an example of one young lady that we had that was here. Um, she had asked for directions. She was perpetually lost, and she was asking for directions. My director of education and training, a young male, 27 years old. He he, he he took and he drew a map on her back, said, well, if you walk this way, then you're going to walk around kind of this curve this way, and then it's going to be the third door on your right. Well, she went and she had a meltdown in her classroom once she made it there. And it's because she had experienced some really bad stuff, not here, but there. She never once blamed this director as to what he did. And she says, I in no way, shape or form am accusing him of anything. It's just it triggered something within me. We not only documented that in our own file, we wrote to the voc rehab counselor and let them know what happened. That was all documented and that was all saved. But I also have a board and personnel committee that has members from my board of directors, which are the people that I report to. And so it's written within our policies that when there's a grievance, what the chain of command is that you go to your instructor, you go to the director, you go to the social worker and you come to an officer. If I can't resolve it or you don't feel like that I've heard that, I have bosses that I answer to, and here's the protocol and the procedures for how you go through with that. And that's written, it's published on our website, and I take that very seriously. I mean, I I have no qualms with if somebody accuses me of something, I'll turn around and call one of my own board members and say, this is what's going on. I'm handling it. I don't want any surprises to happen, but you know, I've only ever had two people in my six years have a complaint and it wasn't it wasn't misconduct of anything it was just something else that I, they 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 simply didn't get their way and um and and they went ahead and they filed a grievance against me and it was investigated and it was all settled but you know we take that i mean we are all so close and you know for the girls on the call we all know how blind guys are and they have radar And we know exactly where their hands always hit and that stuff can be misinterpreted. And we talk about that in our groups. And we talk about that, you know, that this is stuff that happens in the blindness community. You know, somebody runs into you, they're really not trying to goose you. It just, this is the stuff that happens in a blind facility. And, but, you know, to try to respect that personal space and those personal bubbles And let me tell you, we have a lot of, we have a lot of ears on the ground and we have a lot of people. You you know how people are. They, they have no problem tattletaling on one another. And we know we, we keep a pretty good pulse on what's going on here. And we know that there's relationships that happen here, student to student, because all of a sudden, you know, that for the first time, some of them You know, are away from home, and they they they're finding their independence, and I think that's just part of the growing up process, especially with our younger ones. But we do bring them in, and we do counsel them, and we absolutely let them know if there's if you feel like that you've been violated by anybody, whether it's an instructor, whether it's somebody on the street, you report that. And I have an open door policy, and my clients know all the time that they can come to me, and I'm going to sit down and I'm going to listen. So, you know, I, I I feel bad that this stuff has happened, but I think that it's I think that it's good for all of us to evaluate that who work within the realm of blindness just where we're aware of it. Oh. Well, well, thank you,
2: Sharon. We really appreciate your telling us about this and we need to move on to our next topic. All right, thank guys. You I appreciate it. So much. Thank, all right, thank, thank you. Thank bye-bye.
0: Thank you, Sharon. Oh, next year somebody's from Arkansas.
1: Arkansas, <laughs> there you go. Thanks, Dan. A
0: little sassy spirit always comes out.
1: There you go. <laughs> Bye, Karen and everybody
2: else. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you. And we would love to talk to Sharon more, but uh, we do have a schedule to follow. <laughs> <laughs> Our uh, next section is an uh, update on the SLA roundtable that happened on Tuesday. And uh, since John Hewlett and uh, Kent Walser could not be here this afternoon, I'm gonna turn it to Scott to give some remarks and then Dan, yep. thank you. Yeah, thank
5: you artists. And I'm, I'm gonna share the, uh, the beginning CE code here before we get started with that. And the CE code is, uh, one second here, 6 f 21 X w. That's your beginning CE code and uh, artist did send me some information and um, Dan what could you uh, say a few words about what you heard from the uh, SLA roundtable and I've got a couple pieces of information I need to pull up so I uh, forgive me I gotta go into my phone here and find those things and take a look and, and uh, read that so Dan if you could give a couple comments and I'll be right back with you folks here in just a minute.
0: I guess um, most off, I'd like to really thank um, all the SLA staff that uh, spoke up and give their uh, stories during the SLA session. And, and a thank you to John Hewlett and Ken Walzer for agreeing to do this, even though tech, there were some technical issues going on in, in scheduling conflicts. But it, it was so impressive. And not to my surprise, because the, the individuals I know around the country but it's just that no one has given up you know, from the blind vendors to the SLA staff. Everybody is optimistic, and we're looking for answers. And that really shines through with the SLA breakout session. They're all looking for answers, how uh, we can come out of this band- pandemic and make the program better, not just to come out of it, but to make it better. They all have a very open mind. And that was so refreshing to be reassured of that. It, in my mind, I was always convinced of that. But when I listened uh, to the, speak, the individuals from yesterday, it was very apparent that um, they are all committed and dedicated to making this program even better by using our rear rear mirror here and in, in not uh, holding us back, but using that as a tool, like a history book, to show what we can do in make things better
2: thanks Dan and I'd appreciate it if any VEP administrator or um, staff person was on this, that uh, session to raise your hand too um, after Scott um, uh, reads the comments from uh, John and Krista we'd appreciate it if you stepped forward and uh, told about um, and it doesn't even have to be exactly what was in the session but just giving us updates on your state how you've handled um, the the current crisis, et cetera, too. So we always appreciate hearing comments from, you know, different administrators and staff.
5: Yes. And um, before I read this, I've got an email from Krista from Colorado. I'll be sharing that, but I, I, to the SLA staff, one of the things that has really driven me to continue to work on this sagebrush conference is, The things I hear about the SLAs getting together and being able to share information amongst themselves. That's such an important part to me for you to be able to come in and share. And um, our apologies that we had some technical issues the other day, Um, but this is such an important piece for you folks to be able to come in and and, um, have a face-to-face which next year, we hope to have face-to-face again and share. And uh, it, it's just important that there's an open place for you folks to come in and do that visiting amongst yourselves. And that's why I continue to work at this because that's as important to me as the vendors themselves having a place to come and share and learn and grow. So um, with that, uh, the note from Krista uh, Hedland from uh, Colorado, she said, uh, I had shared during the call today. The hope to receive online support from other state directors uh, as it relates to strengthening policy, working with the CEC, which I'm assuming w- with their uh, elected committee, and connecting our new program manager to other directors and managers. So um, she's wondering if if other agencies can reach out to her, kind of help her navigate through this if they've got any ideas and and that's what it's all about keeping that open communication line between yourselves and being able to talk back and forth uh, i also do have an email from uh mr hewlett uh let's see if i can find that one uh colorado one. Oh, here we go uh okay uh the sla had their uh, roundtable discussion on tuesday evening there were over 20 states uh, attending. Each state provided an update on what has happened through their BEP since the pandemic began. All states reported a decreasing, uh, a, a, I'm sorry, a devastating decrease in sales and net profit. On average, around 80 to 85% of all BEP businesses are not operating. Some states have had the capacity to provide relief payments to help BEP operators, while other suspended, set aside, and merchandise repay loans until uh, things return to some sort of normalcy. Because uh, Randolph shepherd businesses are priority on state and federal properties, and 90 to 95 percent of staff of these locations have been and continue to work remotely. So um, that was the concern and uh, everybody's kind of in the same boat. And that's that's the uh, story in a nutshell that John had sent in. So uh, any other states would have something- Yeah, please
2: to- raise your hand if you're, you're willing to share. Yes. Because we'd really like to hear from different states and it doesn't have to be exactly on, you know, um, Uh, specifically about COVID, but even if you have ideas for the future on on how you think the layout is going to be, and if you have suggestions for states, or if your state has implemented some new policies because of what's happening, we'd love to hear it from you.
5: Artists, maybe what we could do as well is maybe uh, if Karen's still with us, she could go ahead and give the uh, uh, report from the uh, chair side and uh, that way, if anybody has a thought from the SLA side, we could check in on those folks after Karen's report.
2: Sure, no problem. No, go for it, uh, Karen. Go ahead and share what happened at your session yesterday and then we'll open it for anyone to uh, uh, bring up points uh, from either group. Thanks. Sure, sure. not a problem. Yes, yes, I am here, Scott. Um,
3: I'm not sure how long you want me to talk for. Um, this is a couple of minutes section. Okay. Um,
4: okay. So Are, we do have a we do have a hand up. Okay. okay. Go ahead with that.
6: It is uh, error code two hundred
7: two. Am I? Yeah. Isn't hi. It? This is uh, this is Mazur Hamid. I'm on the elected committee uh, in Washington DC, and I um, don't really have any anything about. Um, SLA related uh, uh, the, the breakouts that happened in the last couple of days, I missed them unfortunately, but I did want to um, say something that uh, uh, has to do with vendor shepherd uh, vendor eligibility for PPP loans. There were a number of presentations uh, done by NCSAB and uh, and Katrina McDonald. Um, in which the impression was left that if your location is closed that you are not eligible <clears throat> and that is untrue uh the sba folks specifically say that if your business is permanently closed then you are not eligible so i just wanted to pass that along
5: great i'm, I'm sorry i didn't catch your first name uh, my name is Masher. okay well well and- Martha- thank you thank you for joining in and sharing that information that's important information for folks to know thank you, yeah,
7: thank yeah, you. It's, you very because, uh, it's very important uh, uh, because it's very important because I know that in our program we had uh, only about a third of the people who are eligible uh, who actually applied and received uh, uh, PPP loans and uh, um, they, they seem to Seem to be concerned that this is not really a loan, this is not really a, a grant, but rather a loan that they'll be responsible for. And um, I know I already obtained uh, forgiveness for my first loan, <clears throat> and and there are actually grant opportunities all over the place. I mean, I just got a sixty-two thousand dollar grant from the DC uh, Restaurant Bridge Fund. I got a grant last year from them for about ten thousand dollars. I got an SBA um, thirty-year loan for about one hundred twenty-five thousand. So I mean, it's just uh, it's it's just tough to educate um, folks who uh, have hesitancy and are naturally suspicious. So I'd, I'd appreciate it if you could if you could try to encourage people to apply. And most of these are grants. They're not. They're not uh, loan obligations uh, as long as you can uh, provide documentation of um, the use of funds. So I thank thank you for the opportunity.
5: Well, thank you. Thank you. You you have me thinking that maybe uh, in one of my uh, monthly, -monthly bi-monthly call-ins, maybe we can dig up somebody who can really go deep into some of those SBA loans, et cetera, grants and... uh, really address some of those issues, what people may qualify for and that kind of thing. But uh, let us do a little research on that, but thank you for the idea.
2: Hey, Karen, go ahead. Awesome. Um,
3: Yeah, so we had a breakout session yesterday with the chairs and vice chairs of state, state committees of blind vendors. We had some very lovely conversations um, special shout out to Miss Nebraska, you are awesome. Um, we we had some topics that were suggested, but we kind of went a little different direction, and we really focused on active participation and how each state committee of blind vendors works with their individual SLAs. And of course, it's different from state to state. But the one thing that I was hearing from the folks that were on the line. Was really talking about the open communication. And, um, you know, we all agree that open communication between the SLAs and the State Committee of Blind Vendors is crucial, especially in these trying times. Um, There was, um, you know, a lot of questions about the different ways that each uh, chairperson communicates information to their members, how often meetings occur. how willing the SLA is actually uh, willing to listen to ideas and suggestions from the state committees, um, but it was a good, positive interaction. Um, hearing from from different folks around the country. Obviously, the structure in every state is different. Geographics are different. Uh, population is different. So SLAs vary in the way they do things. Uh, as then does the State Committee of Blind Vendors and how they interact with the SLAs. Overall, I felt it was a very good, uh, productive conversation. We all got to share some ideas and maybe pick up a little tricks and uh, different means of communication. Um, if, if anybody has a hand up or wants to ask a question, I'm more than willing to answer any questions.
2: And that goes for either session, if there's any... Um BEP staff or a committee chair that want to share some information, we'd appreciate it.
5: Uh, Yeah, and I'm going to jump in here again, Karen, and and say uh, the fact that, again, just like the SLA round table, the chair roundtable is one of those very important things to me that I like to see happen and see that free and open communication where folks feel very confident, comfortable coming in and talking about their state, maybe some thoughts they have, people being able to share how to improve their communications, maybe even amongst their uh, committee members. That's that's important. And uh, yeah, we need to continue to work on those kinds of things.
3: Absolutely, Scott. Com- communication as a whole in this world is what makes can make or break um, any organization or entity. Um, you know, in this case, State Committee of Blind Vendors with their SLAs. If there's no communication, there's not going to be a lot of progress. Um, What we're seeing around the country is the uh, State Committee of Blind Vendors who really take the initiative and take their responsibilities as elected uh, to their committees very serious and and do seem to want to keep an open door policy between the SLAs and the State Committee of Blind Vendors. And that's progress. That's where everything is going to move forward.
5: Right. And uh, one more last thing I'm going to address, and then I'll, I'll stop talking about this subject, but in years past, we've had a lot of issues with apathy for being on that committee. This is such an important time. Thank you to all of you who are on these committees throughout the country. You've got a handful of work to do here. You've got a lot. And, I hope your whole committee can stay involved, work with that SLA because there's a lot of questions that need to be answered. Your input
3: matters. Scott, you're, you're right on target. There is a lot of work to be done and with, with the crisis we've all lived through has to have a different picture moving forward. We know that the population in these buildings are going to be at diminished capacities, um, we don't know for how long if it's going to be permanent. You know, like I said yesterday, my crystal ball has just a giant-sized crack in it right now. Um, but as as people elected by our peers and colleagues, we have to keep the communication open with all managers, with the SLA, to try to re-envision what BEP is going to look like when this crisis is over, and always looking for new opportunities. Um, Every state has its own uh, mini Randolph-Shepard that people really need to focus on and find out where your priorities are. And and we did touch on that a bit yesterday. Um, Differences between unassigned vending and third-party vending and how that can benefit um, uh, funding uh, for managers, uh, keep accounts healthy, uh, enable some states to be able to do fair minimum returns, a good good open conversation about that but those people on the committees we there, there is a long road right now and I appreciate everybody's dedication to your fellow blind vendor then the people coming up into BEP and for the future of BEP Randolph Shepard has to survive and it does fall on all of us right now that are privileged enough to be working to have facilities to have opportunities to make sure this program survives for the next generation and thereafter.
2: I wanted to make a, 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 a an observation and a question for the two of you. Uh, are, are many states taking advantage of a lot of the trainings that are out there, especially visually impaired, like tech training, etc.? I know the ACB community calls have provided lots of Uh, trainings uh, using different devices across the networks, as well as other um, trainings. And I was wondering, is VEP encouraging their vendors to uh, take advantage of uh, trainings while they're not working during this time? I, (coughs) sorry.
3: (coughs) Sure, I can speak to that. You know, here in New York, yeah, it's, it's definitely a reminder to managers every time we do have meetings with the SLA or coming right down from our Associate Commissioner of the New York State Commission for the Blind that those trainings are open and available and they are giving vendors, you know, just a tad bit of priority because of the fact that, you know, some of them aren't working right now. And that generally speaking, a vendor doesn't have time to to leave their facilities or their vending routes or, or whatever the situation may be to go back for for some additional mobility or, you um, Uh, computer training technology training Um, and right now you know buildings are not opening the way they had in the past so you know you're thinking mobility what is she talking about the routes in and out of buildings have changed because there's temperature checks now there's um, screenings there's different types of things are going on and if you're not familiar with that there there's your mobility training how to access your own facility um, in an appropriate manner to keep people safe and yourself safe and follow all safety protocols. So that, that is what's happening in New York. Our SLA is certainly, certainly encouraging, uh, people to take advantage of the VR services. Scott, how about in Minnesota? I was just thinking a little
5: bit about that. And I, I know we do have some, uh, managers, vendors, whatever term you like to use, who, who have been somewhat, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, they've they've been pretty proactive in doing that. Um, uh, as far as the licensing agency, uh, letting folks know, certainly if they know they're very good about sharing that information. sometimes getting that to the SLA so they could turn around and get it out probably is the bigger problem. so um, so yeah, you know uh, that's something anything I ever see that I come across, I'll try to send to our director and say, Hey, you know, is this something that the, the vending uh, operators uh, across the state should know about? And then they can decide if that's worth sharing and they'll share it. So, um, yeah, it's just, it's just on all of us. If we see something as, as again, vendors, operators, managers, whatever you want to call yourselves throughout the country, important to get that into your licensing agency, let them know because they only can see so much of what's going on throughout. But the more information we share with each other, the, the better off we are.
3: Absolutely, Scott. And that's, again, that's the key component in communication that VR uh, services around the country need to really um, communicate with their BEP programs to what's out there for the vendors while they're not working. Um, you know, we have a terrific system here. Uh, you, you'll never hear me say a bad word about the BEP program in New York. Um, but there's very open communication right now between the VR side and the business enterprise side of, of our New York State Commission for the Blind. So almost immediately when there's memos sent out or that, they do get sent on to the vendors. So we know what's going on on the VR side and what's available as far as the technology training or the uh, any type of training Um, If if there's a person who's newly blind and in BEP that never learned Braille, that decides it's time, you know, there's there are opportunities uh, to learn that as well. Um, So I would encourage um, state committee of blind vendors to look into what the VR services are in your state and get that out to all managers. It's it's a definite way to fill the time of not working. You're keeping active and you're always forward moving. Uh, Karen, maybe uh, for the last few minutes of this
5: segment here, uh, I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit, but could you talk about the auction this afternoon that we're going to be having?
3: I can, folks, today um, at, at the conclusion of, of Sagebrush, we are having an auction, and your host will be the talented, energetic, and always delightful Scott Egan, along with myself. <laughs> and it is sure to be a lot more relaxed, less formal, a little less formal than what you're seeing right now. But we have a lot of terrific items. We have some beautiful cast iron uh, frying pans that, that were donated by our, our wonderful Scott Egan himself. And I know for one, I will be betting on those. I'm so excited uh, for those to come up on the auction block. We have a beautiful Afghan donated by Donna, um, Selinger, uh, a christmas afghan that i am certainly looking forward to promoting and getting out there for you folks we have a vending machine box you're scratching your head going what is she talking about we have a box with uh, one of each item found in one of my vending machines along with a gift card donated by the lovely 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 leslie spoon I uh, can't wait to auction that off. Um, we have Louisiana donated a Cajun basket. Now I don't know about you folks, but up here in Buffalo, we definitely can appreciate it. Some good Louisiana spices <laughs> and foods and products. And, and I love to cook. So I'm looking forward to possibly bidding on that as well. Um, Linda Ellis from Tennessee donated a beautiful ring um, and Scott has a very in-depth description of that that he's going to be reading, but you know, on, on top of auctioning it off, and yes, it is a fundraiser for for Randolph Shepard Vendors of America, and just, you know, remember folks, those dollars are very important. Um, you know, uh, we have an open book policy on, on um, sponsors and um, how we utilize anything donated, and those dollars are certainly always appreciated to keep us moving forward as well. Um, we have a lot of um, new legislative issues coming up, and that all takes funding. So, dig deep tonight, guys, and hopefully Scott and I will certainly entertain you, and you may even hear a joke or two out of Mister Egan. And
8: you know, mm, I'm, pers- i love
5: to- I'm a little worried because there might be some reprieve, But um, I will say too, Karen, I want to add to your thing. One of the items on the auction is your choice. You can either uh, we'll either have a custom-made RSVA sagebrush sweatshirt. I have a zip-up sweatshirt for those of you who have the video on and who are able to see. But uh, certainly, I can give a better description later. But uh, the other choice would be an RSVA um, sagebrush. Polo, which I also have on, and uh, my wife has become quite the uh, quite the embroiderer and uh, she would let you make your choice of what color, which product you'd like, and uh, what size. So they will be custom made for you. So you, how could you go wrong? What a what an awesome deal! So I wanted to make sure that that was mentioned as well.
3: That is a beautiful, generous donation by your wife. I know personally how long and what type of talent it takes to do embroidering and what a beautiful donation from your wife, Scott. And let's Thanks. not get, let's not forget the chocolate. What <laughs> would an auction be without chocolate folks? We have chocolate. We have two pound boxes of chocolate from Watson's chocolate, which is a local Buffalo manufacturer, homemade chocolate, uh, that has been in existence for a little over a hundred years, but Ooh. it is absolutely delicious, and you have three different types to to bid on. And um, y- you know, I don't know that my waistline really needs it, so it's out there for you folks. Two pounds <laughs> of chocolate, accompanied with a fifty dollars Amazon card.
5: My my waist doesn't need it either, but I haven't met a chocolate I haven't liked yet. So. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: Yeah.
4: Welcome to Inside USI. In this episode, we'll demonstrate how accessible our equipment is for visually impaired operators, We'll also show our full line of vending equipment and detail how our new Flex controller is improving machine serviceability and profitability for operators. Be sure to stick around until the end when we'll reveal our newest projects and developments in technology. Thanks for joining us for Inside USI. Accessibility is a huge priority for USI. Standard Operator Service Mode on both 7-inch and 10.1-inch touchscreens includes a Talker Ready Control Board and a Screen Color Invert feature. Just plug in a 3.5mm headphone or speaker jack into the control board to listen.
9: Set Price System Update Tap again to open System Updates
4: User accessibility is just a part of our overall commitment to serving our customers. We realize USI is nothing without our loyal customers and pledge to continue to go the extra mile to serve them.
10: Here at USI, we feel as if we're a partner with our customers. We're part of the family. If our customers need us to be at their facility, we're there. And I think... uh, as a supplier to this industry, you've got to take that extra step. It's not when you do something well that your customers take notice. It's when something doesn't go well in the field and how you adapt to that. I think customer service is our number one uh, priority.
4: We've been a leader in the vending industry for 90 years now having started back in 1931. Our goal when designing and manufacturing vending equipment has been to provide the operator with the lowest cost of ownership. That means we work hard to make sure our equipment is built to last, manufactured with the best materials and includes the latest technology. The smooth corner design of our equipment is especially friendly to blind and disabled operators. We're excited about the difference our Evoke line of equipment has made in the industry and will make well into the future. You Select It boasts a full line of vending equipment to meet all your customers' needs. Our products are built to last, providing customers with the lowest cost of ownership in the industry. USI equipment is built to help you make money and save time. Our feature snack merchandiser, the Evoke Snack 6 has a large capacity and more space for high profit items. You can see here the Evoke 6
11: ambient snack machine we have seven full trays. The top two trays are the large snack size items, serving size items. And you can see then below, we have five additional trays that uh, are pretty flexible as far as the types of products that uh, can be dispensed. Your your height is basically your only limiting factor, as long as you stay under seven and a half inches. The ADA bin uh, is down below. It's the largest capacity bin in the industry. The uh, 10.1-inch touchscreen you see there uh, is also a uh, USI design. Uh, It is driven by the Flex platform. Uh, This year, uh, an added feature now is the uh, video portion of it. The videos can be downloaded at the machine uh,
4: via USB stick, or you can do it remotely. In addition to the Evoke snack machine, the Evoke refrigerated line of machines are helping operators deliver cold drinks, sandwiches, salads, and more. The health safety feature can program the machine by selection, range, and row. Here's a closer look at our Evoke elevator. Our evoke line, including ambient and refrigerated machines, use the flex controller. Our flex controller is the brain behind the enhanced capabilities of these machines. The flex control board is designed to maximize efficiencies and provide ease of use for operators. This includes an intuitive service mode and premier accessibility. Change prices by individual item, multiple items, or all items at one time. Easily identify software versions and set up customer contact details. Flex also provides a seamless and engaging user experience with 7 inch and 10.1 inch touchscreens. iCart provides menu browsing, shopping cart mode, and displays product nutrition information. Index includes the ability to preset prices and common machine settings, remotely planogram your machine use static and video promotions, and sell combo specials. Pay range is also built into our flex control board, making mobile payments simple for your customers. Now it's time to reveal our latest developments in vending technology. Get to know the new Evoke Market and u technology. This is the new Evoke Market from You select it the Evoke Market is a satellite merchandise cooler connected to a host USI Evoke snack vending machine. The level of inventory control offered by the Evoke Market is a hybrid approach. This approach combines a level of product security similar to a vending machine, along with the flexibility and product accessibility of a retail micro market. The Evoke Market is ideal for offering snacks. Cold drinks, and refrigerated food in a single solution. To use the Evoke Market, your customer enters payment at the Evoke Snack Machine. Once payment is received, your customer chooses the Unlock option on the Evoke Snack Machine's touchscreen to access the products within the Evoke Market Cooler. Customers then open the Evoke Market Cooler and choose one or multiple items. The Evoke Market Cooler will beep while the door is open and will double beep when the door closes and locks. Once the Evoke Market door is closed, it locks automatically. Your customer then completes the purchase of their items by scanning the items via the user interface scanner on the Evoke snack machine. Not only are we excited about releasing the Evoke market in the future, we are also looking forward to equipping our machines with UVEN sanitization technology. With the ability to kill viruses, including COVID-19 and influenza, UVEN technology is a proven UV light sanitizing solution. Workplace safety has never been more important than it is today, and organizations are finding new innovative ways to promote health and safety. For location managers, workplace safety is the top priority and these decision makers are looking for ways to provide their employees with the convenience of on-site food and beverages while keeping their workplaces safe. These decision makers are increasingly recognizing there is more to consider when choosing a vending provider than whether the machine is just filled and working. U-Select, its patent-pending u technology, makes the high-touch surfaces of vending equipment safer by utilizing UV light to kill 99.9% of harmful viruses and bacteria. UVEN utilizes the same UV light sanitization technology that has been used for decades in healthcare organizations, schools, prisons, retailers, and the transportation industry. In comparison to other sanitization solutions, such as antimicrobial overlays, UVEN is superior. For starters, the effect of most antimicrobial solutions in combating viruses is basically non-existent. Secondly, UVEN has a much longer life expectancy. In fact, its LEDs have a rated life of over 40,000 hours of continuous use versus only 90 days for most antimicrobial overlays. In addition, Uven is proven by an independent third-party accredited testing lab to be 99.9% effective on killing some of the most common viruses and bacteria in only a few minutes. This is over 30 times faster than most antimicrobial overlays take to achieve the same level of effectiveness on bacteria. Featuring an automated motion sensor and a visible blue light, Uven safely sanitizes the machine's high-touch surfaces in seconds. The motion sensor ensures no presence is detected in front of the machine before activating, and the blue light indicates the quick sanitization is in progress, allowing the machine to be sanitized after almost every use. Public, high-touch surfaces such as doorknobs, handrails, and buttons can be breeding grounds for bacteria and viruses. Even if you have a stringent cleaning practice, if you only service a location's machines once or twice a week, manual cleaning will not achieve nearly the same level of sanitization as UVend. UVend's visible blue light alleviates these concerns and gives customers confidence they are touching a sanitized surface. UVend technology will separate your vending service apart from the competition. Equipment with uVent technology is the perfect solution to replace old, outdated equipment as well as a potentially safer substitution to open access micro-markets and cafeterias. Today safety is key. Our UVC light sanitization technology provides a safer vending experience. Leading with Uven technology while providing the equipment reliability, product variety, energy efficiency and overall service location managers are looking for is a winning recipe to grow your vending business. Uven's visible blue light helps locations show they prioritize workplace safety and it gives locations, employees and customers peace of mind when getting their next snack or drink win new business, and provide your existing locations with a new level of protection in their workplaces with Uvent technology. Thanks for joining us today for Inside USI. We hope you've seen how seriously we take machine accessibility, operator profitability, customer health, and providing the lowest cost of ownership in the industry. Please reach out with any questions you have. We'll see you next time
5: all right are we back
2: hey well thanks i i I really like their videos they're they're um, very yep Uh, artist can i can i address something real real quick here um sure no problem
5: i i want to speak to um to usi hold on i'm gonna turn my camera on uh want to speak to usi here um fantastic company makes some very quality products and I have a number of their frozen machines in my facility uh, in a prison. So uh, they get challenged, we'll say it that way. They get challenged sometimes by some of the uh, folks at the prison, but a good quality product. Uh, That video was very uh, entertaining. However, there was a couple spots where uh, there was not anything being spoken while there was stuff going on on the screen. And I just wanted to fill you in that they were showing the smoothness of their system when it drops the product into the elevator. So that's what you weren't seeing. And then in the background, they had a couple of scenes of their factory as they're putting equipment together. Um, and there, there were some graphics, I apologize. It happened too fast. I couldn't see what the graphics were, but that's what you were missing. I wanted to make sure we filled that in and I do want to thank USI. I mean, they've been a great partner and they've sponsored us and, uh, we can't thank you folks enough, but I just wanted to kind of fill people in if you're unable to see that video, what you missed in that couple of minutes. So thank you, artist.
2: Well, thanks Scott, we appreciate that. Oh, Obviously, and I, It's but, helpful.
5: <laughs> yeah, I do have a code to share as well. Uh, our beginning code is 7G21UV.
2: Thanks, Scott. Yes. Our next session um, is on accessible payment kiosks and back end solutions for uh, micro markets. And I'm hoping that our uh, speaker on this section was able to come on. He's from Texas and yesterday he said that they were having off and on blackouts. So he was hoping he could get on, but wasn't positive. So is Jason Lohman on the phone? Or on the call, he did send me a document that I can pass on to uh, folks after the conference.
0: Okay, artist,
2: go ahead, Dan.
0: Um, just a couple of comments um, about our sponsors and exhibitors. Um, as Scott mentioned, you selected has been an excellent partner for us. In one, the service is just unsurpassed, uh, beyond reproach. Uh, a couple, a few years ago, uh, had the good fortune of um, obtaining one of their frozen units for the ice cream bars in the prison, and it had a point-of-sale graphic on it. And the prison officials found this to be whatever to the inmates, the uh, residents of the prison. And one phone call to Heidi Chico, the executive director, director of Widener's Group, within a day. Literally, one day I had a new graphic insert, and I did not have to shut the machine down. They responded that rapidly producing a new uh, point-of-sale graphic, in which uh, met all standards within the prison system. Um, power Level, Jason might may be able to join us later, but if not, Power Level has been a, an excellent partner for us uh, in uh, uh, not only in the kiosk business, but in the... Uh, Uh, cashless solutions in they are continually working on making the kiosk more accessible and that's an ongoing you know work in progress and they want to make it better and better and better and um, i think they're doing a fantastic job the pandemic has um you know added to their workload but it has not stalled their work on accessibility they are making their kiosk more Readily clean, uh, sanitizable, and it's—it's uh, just amazing how, they, and they also, you know, added touchless features to it, um, so you can, you literally operate it from your um, your mobile device, uh, in pay, pay, and order uh, whatever you want to do on the kiosk. You can do it the mobile device, and that's getting to be the standard within the industry. You know, just for uh, anything touch free, they're to, to working on that. And as, as pointed out in the USI the individual, and you see in the Crane videos too, they're all very conscious of this effort. And we really applaud them. And it, our blindness community are not ever, ever left out of the, our sponsors and uh, exhibitors' minds. They're always looking for ways to um, you know, find new, and innovative ways to make things accessible. Now, with the sanitation issue, is just remarkable. I'm just truly amazed at uh, all of our sponsors and exhibitors, how they have really stepped forward in producing equipment that can um, make us move into the next generation of, um, you know, vending against uh, um, the key uh, micro markets. And I think, you know, as you probably all are aware, micro markets are been growing at a rapid pace in the last five six years, and you, know, you can expect to see a surge, another surge in that. You know, given uh, a lot of your larger office buildings, office buildings and factory settings, and whatever, will have um, less of a need for cafeterias, uh, and so a micro market will be the ideal solution uh, to that. And now that they have, you know, with all the coolers available, that they're making making available touchless, everything is touchless. Uh, in you only handle a product that you're going to purchase. It's just uh, unbelievable. So I think we all owe a big debt of gratitude for the um, the backside of our industry, our uh, convenience service industry, and the backside, the equipment side. It's just uh, truly remarkable how they have stepped up in such a short period of time and um, hit the fast forward button on advancing the technology for us. And that kind of hitchhikes on what... Um, uh, we we're talking uh, the artist was talking with uh, Sharon about is um, you know technology is changing now It's the time to get it in and take the and you have may have the time to learn how to operate some of this new equipment and and to learn advantages of having the newer equipment that is um, more profitable uh, and offers larger uh, variety of SKUs that, uh, to your customers and as you know, we're all about you know, community service industry is all about customer service and make it more, more convenient to our customers. And uh, I think with uh, you know, power level on the leading edge of things, it's all to, a, to our advantage. Yeah. If there's
2: anyone in the audience that does have a micro market and can share how they are able to handle like backend with accessibility, we'd entertain those uh, people to raise their hands because obviously since um, they aren't able to be here, maybe there's others of you that have been using micromarkets and you can share some of that. Um, Scott?
5: Yeah, uh, yes, um, thank you for the segue because I'm gonna go backwards and then I'm gonna come back <laughs> forwards. So going back to something Dan just talked about, um, going back to USI and one more thing that a little story I'd like to share about a company who stands behind their product. Uh, I did, I have received a number of those frozen food machines that Dan and I were just talking about, um, and I love them. But at one point, we were having a couple of issues with uh, equipment, and the company came out, and they not only looked at our equipment to find out what was going on with it, but there were a couple pieces that weren't up to their standards. They came out picked up that equipment and brought me brand new pieces that were built correctly. When does that happen in an industry? When does someone show up with a six to $7,000 machine and go, oh, this one's not right. We'll take care of that. Here's your new one. You're good to go. That's unbelievable service. I mean, that is absolutely amazing. So for that, hats off to USI. Um, so I just wanted to throw that in because that's an important piece. Um, moving forward, kind of back to what we were just talking about, I do have a micro market. I, I do use another company, FreeSquare. Uh, they've also been working to be um, innovative, uh, be industry leaders. Uh, I know that they have that big 46, which is an impressive setup, and uh, I have been out to see that big baby function, and it, it, it's quite impressive. So, um, yeah, micro markets are—they're an amazing thing. I my my joke is you can sell everything from a um, anniversary card to a set of tires. If you really wanted to, you could do that in a micro market where you just can't do those kind of things with vending. You can be much more responsive to customers needs and offer different products. And it, it, it's a, it's a good thing. And, um, you can have a good margin there. You can provide a real quality product to the customer, a super wide variety very easily. And, uh, they, they are a winning combination. Um,
2: Scott, do you have a micro market?
5: I do have one, yes. Mm
2: -hmm. Have have you found it uh, pretty easy to navigate and um, use the um, like checking inventory and all that?
5: Those functions are all there and I don't spend a ton of time in that stuff. And I'm sorry, I wish I was uh, totally blind and could answer you as far as accessibility. I can't answer you that because with my vision, I'm able to, Navigate in there without too much problem, and the more you use it, the more you can find in there and utilize. But, um, but yeah, I'd, I'd be curious if some of the audience members have micro markets and
0: can convey some of their experiences. I had the good fortune of I had um, one of the power levels as well as one of the three square units went on before I retired from vending, and um, the advances that they continue made were very impressive. The back end. Um, you know, is, a, is another issue, and they're, they're working on it. Um, but the beautiful thing about it is you, you know exactly when things are going and what's going. It um, is far better than telemetry on um, that you find, you know, a couple years ago on vending machines. Telemetry on vending machines is all it, is improving, but uh, the accuracy wasn't quite there, but that is improving. But uh, the micro markets, it's been there. They had that built in right away, and they um, they make various sizes of kiosks now. Um, you know that the big one is just unbelievable, and it's got the reversible screen for wheelchair use and so on and so forth. Then they got the the mic- mini micro market. If you have a, uh, in a micro market in a large office setting, and you may have your um, your main kiosk. Uh, on the lower level, or in the main break room, or the lunch room, or whatever, and then you can have satellite locations scattered throughout the building with the the hot selling items, and just with a smaller uh, type of kiosk where they can check in and out um, at a much more rapid pace. Or you can put several of the smaller ones um, side by you know side by side, such as you find it when you go to the grocery store. They got a whole front end. Of the store is lined up with checkout stations. Well, you can do that with a micro market too. So that People do not have to wait in line to check out. Uh, so again, that you know, if you if you had a snack bar or you had a, a cafeteria that you think may not be profitable as we um, regain our composure post pandemic, you may want to give micro a very serious look because you you can still offer your fresh salads and a lot of other fresh things, and you know with the advent of all the coolers and you can put. The freestanding coolers with the payment system built into the coolers themselves, now scattered around um, various uh, facilities, but you know, an office building or in a prison setting, oftentimes in prison setting your visiting room is your is your primary source of revenue, but you still have to service the staff around the entire facility, and um, so the satellite micro market is something ideal, and you know the the tap and goal. Credit is what you really want to be looking at, Uh, so there's actually no touching um, of your credit card to anything else or anyone else handles your credit card, just tap and go. And uh, So it's time to update and time to, you know, take the time to learn how to um, make the best use of those products.
2: Do we have anyone from the audience that wants to uh, discuss if they have a micro market or some of their thoughts? um scott what type of micro market did you have uh, was it a a large one a small one Let's mine's,
5: uh, s- yeah mine's fairly small there's uh 200 to 250 well before pandemic 200 to 250 people in the building which is on the smaller side uh, the larger your facility of course the more uh, mm-hmm. business you're going to have so mine's a little on the smaller side but um we, to the plus side, um, the last operator who was there, who was in the conversion between vending that went to the micro market, they saw a huge jump in sales between their small bank of vending machines. And then when they went to the micro market, they just saw a huge increase in capital coming in. So it it, it does make a difference. You were able to offer those larger offerings and, um, you know, it, it's just a lot better system.
2: How about you, Dan? Um.
0: Yeah, what size was yours? Okay, we've um, a hand raised. At oh, great. the time when I had mine, there was only the one size available each. And uh, when I, we purchased them, and as uh, through the period of time, they did develop a bigger one in the, in the smaller units, which I did not take advantage of. I stayed with uh, the one size unit, the, the original size. Okay, Aris, could- we do have a hand up.
2: Okay, well, let's go ahead and take the hand. All right, Trevor. Hi. Hi. Um, so I had a quick question
12: about the micro markets um, and how do the like I, I haven't had a chance to experiment with one yet. Um, um, we can't currently currently put one in but um, I was curious about how it does with car level tracking and what it looks like on your end if it uses how it how it appears on a mobile app is it like a table or how if you could uh, explain a little bit about. What that looks like in terms of keeping track of inventory and how how you put
13: that in. Hi, hi guys. This is Jason at Par Level. I I I can jump in. I'm so sorry about this. Uh, No problem. (laughs) Go ahead. Thank you, Jason. Thank you, Jason.
0: Uh,
4: Yeah. So,
13: and I I just caught I I just got part of the question. If you could just you know help me out here but you were asking about how it looks from an, the mobile app side.
14: Yeah. In terms okay. of how, yeah. Uh,
12: in terms of like, how does it look when you're, uh, do you, and I assume you manually put inventory in and then it keeps track of it uh, per sale.
13: Correct. Now our stock app is actually, it's, I, I don't want to say, it's fully accessible, you know, for, as far as screen reader platforms, but it is, it is darn near close uh as far as that goes because we've made a lot of improvements uh we've actually worked with some operators with the state of illinois um that that i i know personally that have helped um assist with this and you know make sure that we have the right path for our tools and applications uh to to better provide with the, the C- impaired community
6: so thank you so much
13: yeah, I, I apologize for my tardiness, guys. Uh, uh, we're we're going through some rolling blackouts here, and as soon as I jumped on, it cut off. And I'm
5: it's- no problem, Jason. Jason, I'm gonna we're gonna bump some things around. I'm gonna call an audible, and I'm sure our. People in the booth love it when I call an audible here.
8: But,
5: <laughs> uh, 15 uh, minutes. Can we give you 15 minutes? Is that enough time for you to maybe share some of what's going on with uh, Yeah,
13: you know, sure. I'll I'll give some insight. I did, uh, artist uh, Dan, I did send you as far as a two-pager that is that is um, screen reader friendly that we can send out to everybody uh, that I was just going to go over. You know, it's really just as far as the advances we've done since the last time we, we talked at Sagebrush, you know, from our mobile applications such as stock, you know, the driver application to to feed, which is more of a, a higher level business um, notification. As far as what's going on, if you have a machine that has a bill jam or coin jam, if you have a route that just got serviced, uh, a micro market kiosk that went offline, you know, to create more uh, visibility as far as staying connected with, with your assets. And then on the stock side, just as far as the service um, from that service role, what you're able to accomplish with having very to to you know little to no visibility um, on the screen, so the application is very uh, screen reader friendly with whatever platform you're using. So we kind of revamped that part, and we've actually made it a focus within Par Level as a company to better uh, you know better meet the needs of of operators as a whole uh, all around. You know, from a micro market side, and it's we we're we're getting close to where you can have if you need it. A consumer needed a plug in a headphone um to hear voiceovers on the, the kiosk that is that is something that's that is very close you know as far as our end um but from a kiosk it is you know we've had to do some adjustments as far as themes you know because we've had issues with um certain colors make it hard where an operator might only see just a white screen and i'm actually going through this right now um at this uh the, the state with with illinois as far as we can we can adjust the theme um if it's an operator preference based off color tones that might you know emit um to the consumer but you just have to keep in mind and understand that these are going to be one-offs it may not necessarily reset you know based off that need but we can try and accommodate as much as we can so we do have a little flexibility there um the other neat thing too and i don't know if uh this this might pertain to anybody but we even came out with two new two new things that do also tie in with the back-end management software the vms uh, cater which is more of our campus commerce uh, dining platform so if someone's doing dining or a cafeteria you know we might have an option there uh, you know to meet that need uh, we even came out with our hubs cooler which is you know essentially our smart cooler you know kind of that in-between hybrid if you look at it i you know I don't wanna put vending machines there because they're asking about a micro market, but then I'm also kind of worried about the security to where now I can have kind of that hybrid, that in-between where you've got, a, a you know, almost like a mini bar fridge, if you will, but once you take the item, it's gonna charge you for it. Now you're actually gonna see it on a screen that's gonna be, representat- uh, be representative of that product and your transactions. So think of it like a hybrid between a bank of vending machines and a bunch of micro markets right? and then a micro market. Um, and, and yeah, guys, I like I said, I, I apologize too. If is there anybody in this in this room right now um, on this call that's unfamiliar with par level and what we do? And and I apologize to artists too. I don't if, if this needs to be a more general focus as, as an industry in a whole, i I'll, I'll make it broad. I, I don't mean to, you know, uh, obviously. No
2: problem. No problem. And like I, I mentioned, I'll send out the document to registrants so they have what you sent me to. So okay, perfect.
13: Um yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll be happy to open the floor to, to any questions that may come up or you know, questions that I might have missed that Dan and artists, you might have fielded for me. Uh, Scott, I believe, are you the moderator on this? Uh, I'm not the oh, moderator. Actually, I'm I, the uh, moderator. Any
5: way I can, so.
13: <laughs> okay, that's fine. No, no worries, guys. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll be happy to open up to any questions. Okay. Um, you know, that's... That, that's that's really as far as what I have. Obviously, that 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 too, that um, that information sheet, our artist stand that I sent. I, I think it'd be a great benefit to uh, the attendees as a whole, as far as giving a little more insight in accessibility options from a micro market perspective on what Par level is capable of. Um, and that and that format too is obviously it's it's um, screen reader friendly, so it's it's ready to go and ready to send as is.
0: Uh, uh,
13: well, thank Jason,
0: you, Jason. Um, yes, sir, Dan. Just, just as a um, Getting a thank you for taking time to come to us, especially in all that's going on down there in Texas. I, I mean, you know, I,
13: I'm not used to it. I mean, you know, walking outside and, and you know my my sneakers—it's like I have ice skates on. Um, <laughs> you know, it, 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 our whole city shut down, and I, I I went through almost about a day day and a half without power and water. So it uh, it was it was really interesting. You know, thank God I had some camping equipment, but um, yeah. yeah.
0: I had to go out and rearrange some snowflakes before I come on board here today but <laughs> um, but I would just like to have you comment on you know for those that are not fully familiar I think everybody's heard of micro markets but we're probably not all familiar with micro markets like Scott and I that when we've had them um uh, there's always been and I think that issue still remains out there in the shadows is um security. Can you explain right. a little bit about how the security cameras work and how they're monitored?
13: So, and I, I'm I'm not going to pitch as far as what security provider you should use. The, my my suggestion is, you you want to treat it, it. It is a self checkout. Um, it's an unattended um, market, you know, if you will, to where there's no attendees, but you want to create the presence of that the consumer is being watched to help mitigate on the theft side, you know. My my suggestion, if you look for a um, if you look for a security camera provider or what you use, is have a TV monitor that's going to actually display the feed of the cameras that are being used or what's what's being um, taken in uh, videos of. Find something that's either cloud based, it's easy to set up, and it doesn't ha- necessarily have to be cloud based, but it'll have a DVR type system where it leaves less of a footprint at the market, creating a more minimal approach because there's um, I think it's Blink that the the Amazon brand cameras, you know, similar to Nest, but it's, it's their type brand. But they have a battery that lasts up to I think six months or a year. They have if you do an SD uh, card in there, it it can take recordings up to six months or whatever that may be. And it, some will give you options to where you can remote in, you know, based off of uh, that connectivity, and give you uh, visibility while while you're away. But from starting out, just having a monitor and having someone know that they're being watched, or even just having a camera up, it may necessarily not have to be on. But just knowing that there's a presence of someone looking over you helps mitigate that. I mean, it's, you know, especially going into you know a convenience store, you notice that they have cameras all over. Some even have as far as the monitors of you walking in, so you see yourself. You know, depending on that. But you also want to tailor it too on, on to your account and what kind of relationship you have and what type of agreement you have. You know, you might have a relationship with the location to where they're probably going to reimburse your cost if you show any walkouts, and that's kind of the benefit of adding a technology. You know, Kiosk will have a back end for inventory tracking, to where you can show reporting like that. You can have that transparency with your customer.
4: I want to let you know you do have yeah, a hand raised. Quick,
0: quick, um, just one com- quick comment uh, before I mean, we we'll take the raised hand. But um, I had uh, security on my uh, micro market in a state office building. And we had the you know the, the camera that comes with the kiosk, and we had two other cameras in the facility, but we had a big monitor, um, a 32 inch monitor that we mounted on on top of the coolers, which showed what was on the cameras, so that it, it made awareness to all of our customers that they would be monitored. But one incident that occurred, you know, because they we had to run special wiring and you know hard uh, data cable in uh, to the location because the uh, uh, with building design, but what, at one point they called me and they says, "Hey, can you review your tapes? The tapes are all document recorded. Um, we had an incident here. You know, is a we got a fair size government building, in it's uh, four floors and quite broad. And they says, can you um, review the tapes?' What they had, what happened was. An individual, one of the one of our customers, one of their employees, took a bag of uh, microwave popcorn from our micro market, threw it in our microwave, and turned it on more than it needed to be, and filled the entire building with smoke. They called in six fire trucks, two ladder trucks, and three ambulances. Then they realized it was just the smoke, and they realized that the microwave the microwave was toast uh to, and so they asked me to review the and lo and behold we identified the individual that bought this micro popcorn threw it in there and keyed up the microwave to maximum walked out of the building and jumped in their car and went home
8: wow
0: point, that point on they were extreme extremely grateful and they said you know we're glad we put the data in cable for you because there's low resistance about the cost of the data cable as you know with dealing with government agencies and that just made our relationship so much better It just it was good but it just was top-notch after we were able to identify the individual that individual was immediately released from employment
13: that i mean that's such a cool story dan um and it's, it's, it's really neat as far as the transparency that you, you can offer and just the kind of insight that you can provide. Even if you didn't have a security system from a customer facing, the kiosk takes images, takes pictures of the interaction, and it'll show you as an operator as far as what were my exit strategies. You know, Did someone just con- you know think that they were going to go through the process of simulating a checkout and then start it over but take the product? Well, it kind of gives you a way to identify potential, you know, shrinkage as far as that goes. And then if you do have a security system, well, it gives you a timestamp as far as where you can kind of match that up and have that visibility.
0: You know, and I was reluctant when they asked me to um, view the tape. And I was reluctant from a customer relations standpoint. Do I want to be the police department of that building? And that's kind of my, that was my gut reaction when they first called me and asked me. And I says, you know, can I call you back? Well, I thought about it for, I think, 20 minutes, and I call him back. I said, yeah, come on over. Let's go to, you know, let's sit, get, sit down in front of my computer. We'll go through the, the videotapes, and we isolated the situation at the time. But it didn't take long because we knew the time frame, so we just had to pull up that time frame on the video cameras, and we identified the individual right away, and okay, when, when she left the building, that was the last time she had ever entered that building.
8: And OK, well, let's
2: go to the hand that's raised.
9: Who we got? All right, Woody, go ahead. Thank you, Tyson. Uh, can you hear me OK? We can. Woody, I can,
2: I can, I can hear
13: you,
9: buddy. All right, Jason, I, I I got a couple of questions for you. Uh, my my first focus is <coughs> on your coffee machine. I'm, I'm curious to know uh, how it works in the outdoor environment but listening to the conversation about cameras brought up another question. Um, I'm I'm been waiting to see somebody put uh, small IP camera lenses in the machines towards the front where um, we can tie those into a separate recording system. Um, I'm out on the interstate. Uh, I'm not allowed to actually Physically mount cameras, but I think if I had a camera inside the machine, uh, nobody would really notice or or care.
13: Woody, just just to get some clarification, we're we're, we're talking about micro markets, correct? As far as the kiosks,
9: um, I'm sorry, uh, I I'm not. If if micro markets are your specialty, I'm I'm probably trying to address something that you're not. With. No,
13: no, no. You're, you're, you're perfectly fine. Um, I will say this and it's, you know, if, if I can pivot real quick, just to kind of give you some sort of answer um, with our cashless, you know, our par level pay plus, and I believe our par level touch, there is actually a camera on there um, th- that it's designed and ready to be developed on potentially where it could do what you're asking for. It just hasn't been there yet. It's just kind, of, it's kind of one of those like, hey, we're just gonna, it's it's gonna be like a nice to have, but we don't have we haven't done any back end to do it. So it's just gonna be more of a for show. Um which it's kind of a good thing because you know it's could be potentially something that's around the corner. Yeah. Uh, speaking of speaking of it from a cash aside, which I think is what we were talking about here, uh I kind of yeah, when you said rest stops, I I I was pretty sure you're not gonna put a micro market at a
9: rest stop. Well, is there one to put out there? That's that's really my question. I okay. would love to be able to offer sandwiches and and salads to the people on the interstate. Um, is there a micro market uh, two or three machine system that can be put out there?
13: Woody, you could potentially do this. Now, here's here's the only thing I caution <clears throat> after I say it is um, it's a single door cooler. That's going to have a glass front now depending on where you put it and how much sunlight is getting in there that could obviously you know spoil or damage some products on the inside but barring that we do have what we call our hubs cooler which is kind of a hybrid you know it's not a bank of vending machines but it's not an open micro market it's a single door cooler that you have to swipe a credit card so there's no cash involved so that's the other thing you got to consider too is it'll be a single door cooler it can provide provide a way for you to offer sandwiches, you know, maybe, um, you know, 40 ounce or, you know, tall boys or whatever, uh, monster or bang energy drinks or someone, you know, making these long hauls that want a little pick me up that happen to do a pit stop right there. Um, it would give you some flexibility there. And I would suggest, or I would ask, you know, maybe we could have a conversation about it. Maybe I can talk to you a little bit more offline. I don't want to take up too much, you know, talking about this specific, uh, product, but, um, I'd be happy to do it one on one with you uh talking about the smart cooler that we have that might you know fit this need you have.
9: All right. Well, so. thank
2: you. I appreciate I appreciate you coming on board and I'll send out your document and we'll move on. Sure. Artist, our, uh,
5: can I ask one quick question to Jason and it's really quick and a quick Jason should have a quick answer for me.
13: Obviously. So, What's up Scott? Yes,
5: well Thank you, Jason, for making the extra effort to be with us today. Thanks a lot. My quick question is: uh, with your with with your card readers that you're putting on vending to tie into all of this, do you guys do anything outdoors with those card readers? Is that yeah,
13: something? They're, that- they're they're indoor outdoor. Um, okay. You know, I've I've got some that are that are in like remote part of Arizona. You know, pretty south that do get some get some extreme heat. Now, you just. You gotta to understand too. I mean, there will be some wear and tear on them, so it's just depending on where you're at. I yeah. mean, the, the same goes too if you're going in extreme cold. Um, you know, I've, just looking at it here from you know our electricity and our source system, right? <laughs> yeah. And, and, and everything that's going on. You know, we no, I, we thought yep, we were I, ready. So. Yep.
5: That's that was my quick question, artist. I apologize. I kind of jumped in here. But I,
13: I'm sorry. <laughs> thank, guys. You. thank you so much. I apologize for being tardy, artist Dan. Always oh. a pleasure. Okay. Scott, well, thank you. Dry. Th- thank
15: you jason thank, thank you, you so
2: much
13: all right guys you have a good one
2: okay you too thank you okay Bye. we'll go into the smucker video and then uh we look forward to our next uh, session immediately afterwards all right
3: Right. it has definitely been an adventure for all of us doing things virtual this year
2: a lot <laughs> a lot I, of I new
3: gonna,
0: brush.
2: <laughs> definitely
0: i'd get a just I, you know, express a, a genuine thank you and a big thank you to Rick and Tyson for, um, handling all this for us at, uh, for, my, uh, for all the time they're donating to us. It's just phenomenal. And the way they're work we come up with these technical glitches and they find a way to fix it. It's just amazing.
16: All right, here we go.
0: I got my popcorn. Let's see a movie. Right.
16: <laughs> Chris Reiser here with Crane CPI, Crane Payment Innovations here to introduce the Cody coffee machine. It is our latest coffee machine that is going to be launched here in the first quarter. It is uh, going to be made in three separate models. It's going to be bean to cup, a fresh brew, and a solvable product. Uh, the standard height is still 72 inches. It is 32 inches depth deep and uh, 28 inches wide. The machine has a 21 inch uh, fully touch screen. It has, also has the capability of two way um, over the air capabilities where you can push uh, information to it and you can also extract information from your from your office. It has a, a capability of full-length videos on the screen. It also has a, a large branding area where you can run those videos. And it's easy to customize the graphics on the pop and on, on, on the bottom. It supports 3MDB uh, systems and it also is ADA compliant. Uh, I'm gonna go ahead and uh, do a test vending to show you how intuitive uh, the vending process is. I will go ahead and select a uh, filtered coffee. It gives you the options of your strength, your cream, and your sugar. And it, it being intuitive as it is, we don't have a start button. We have a button that says make your make you make your drink or make your selection. And in doing so, with that code it allows you to gives you a code so your next time that you come up to the machine it will allow you to have this code and you can enter it and it will have your customized drink underneath that code. When the, machine, when the drink is finished you pull straight out it has also has the capability of using your own mug or a craft. If you have your own mug, you can flip the, the, the holder down and you can place your mug right on top of the holder there. On the inside of the machine is a capability of 7-ounce to 12-ounce cups. Also, the, the bean canister holds about 8 pounds of beans. The fresh brew canister holds about 5 pounds of fresh brew coffee. And all the other canisters, your cream and your sugar, holds about 6 pounds of product.
13: With CPI's newest technology offering for vending machines, consumers can now use their mobile phones to select and pay for their product and have a complete touchless experience with the vending machine. In this video, the consumer uses a mobile phone app to select the location of the product as they would on the touch screen of the vending machine. They then authorize the payment on the mobile phone app, and the product is vended by the machine. The consumer's only touch points are their own mobile phone and the product they wished to purchase.
12: Greetings, and congratulations again on the 50th anniversary of Randolph Shepard Vendors of America. My name is Ross Wetzel, and I'm with the JM Mucker Company. For this video, I will be taking you through our snacking solutions for vending, micro markets, and pantry. Our portfolio of healthy yet flavorful snacks supported by strong national brands will provide your clients with snacking solutions they will not only enjoy but feel good about when eating on the go. Let's first jump into some industry trends as it has never been more important to monitor today's dynamic environment. From a snacking standpoint, we continue to see some common themes with consumers. They are seeking more convenience throughout the day as we continue to lead busy lifestyles. Because of this, It makes it more difficult to find healthy snacking while on the go yet the demand for better for you ingredients continues to increase another trend that has been growing is the type of experience that brands provide anywhere from sitting down to a nice meal to snacking on the go consumers now expect a great experience to help make that possible brands have never been more important brands that remain relevant today are able to provide stories that resonate with their consumers to build trust and provide that memorable eating experience. Of course, many things have changed due to the COVID pandemic, and it's made the office environment especially challenging with regards to providing refreshments in break rooms and vending locations around the building. We now have to consider things like social distancing and keeping surfaces sanitized. This has virtually eliminated the desire for bulk snacking options and is driving up the demand for portion controlled or self-serve types of packaging. These are important things to consider as we all figure out ways to adapt to this new environment. Now let's take a look at some of the brands and products from Smucker that can add value to your business by helping to satisfy the unique needs of your clients. So Holly Snacks is a proven innovator in healthy snacking. We reinvented the trail mix category over 10 years ago with unique high quality combination of nuts and fruit that have created a loyal consumer following. We have expertise and a deep understanding of the ingredients used to make Sahale's exceptional flavor combinations possible. This has allowed us to achieve high growth rates across all channels that consistently outpace the category. Our 1.5-ounce grab-and-go pack is the perfect on-the-go solution for that busy consumer looking for something healthy, tasty, and satisfying. We appeal to a wide range of consumer demographics but specifically appeal to consumers looking for a premium experience and high quality, clean ingredients. And with every package of Sahali, there is a story behind the inspiration for each flavor that helps to connect the consumer with the brand. This is another key element to the Sahali brand that is in alignment with the consumer experience trend discussed on the previous slide. So we know that consumers are seeking on-the-go snacks with better for you ingredients. Sahali is a perfect solution to satisfy that demand while also helping you to meet state and federal requirements for providing healthy items in your vending machines. And with front of package calorie labeling, we also meet the glass front vending requirement. While Sahali includes a wide variety of flavors, sticking with the proven core items will ensure you're generating the turns needed to maintain profitable vending slots and also provides you with options for seasonal rotations. One of our latest innovations and new additions to the portfolio include the award-winning Coconut Snack Mixes Sahali Coconut Snack Mixes, available in Pineapple Rum Cashew and Cherry Cocoa Almond, are carefully crafted with crispy toasted coconut chips, dry roasted nuts, spices, and dried fruit. Coconut has been a growing flavor and ingredient trend over the last several years, and Sahali Coconut Snack Mixes are a proven item that will satisfy the desire for coconut and elevate your client's snacking experience. The newest addition to the Zahali family is our bean and nut snacks. 36% of consumers are now seeking plant-based proteins on their snacks and nuts, beans, and seeds are the most appealing plant-based proteins. Because plant-based proteins are perceived as healthier, consumers are looking for ways to bring more plant-based protein sources into their diets. Bean-based products have been making their way into the snacking category over the last three years and have come a long way from the old-school canned beans. We have seen bean-based chips and various versions of dried beans or extruded beans, but nothing has come close to Sahali's gourmet bean and nut mixes. Sahali bean and nut mixes are available in two delicious varieties, including Asian sesame and amame in a simple mix with a dash of sea salt. Both varieties provide unique flavor and texture combination that creates a less dry and more craveable eating experience. And with more than five grams of protein and three grams of sugar per one out serving, your clients will not feel guilty eating something this good. We anticipate bean-based snacks will be here to stay, as the desire for satisfying snacks with less sugar and plant-based proteins continues to increase. Now let's take a look at one of the biggest brands under the Smucker umbrella, Jif peanut butter. Jif is the number one retail brand of peanut butter in America today and has a higher brand loyalty than any other peanut brand on the market. Across all consumer genders, ages, regions, and interests, peanut butter is a crowd pleaser. 60% of consumers eat peanut butter as a healthy option when having breakfast away from home. 75% view peanut butter as a source of meat-free protein and 61% as a healthy source of fat that can be used across all day parts. Available in creamy or natural creamy, we now have GIF and portion control packaging which is a great way to provide safe snacking options to your clients. When consumers see the GIF brand in the break room or in vending, they know their office is showing a commitment to quality as well as safety with portion control packaging. GIF portion control options are a great way to provide a satisfying snack that can be paired with other healthy carriers like carrots, celery, and apples. One of the newest additions to the GIF family is our new squeezable pouch. This innovative packaging design could serve as a COVID-friendly alternative to offices that may have relied on bulk peanut butter in the past. Our proprietary squeeze packaging technology ensures the product is sealed to maintain freshness and prevent messes and is so easy to squeeze, even kids can use it. To wrap up the presentation today, I'd like to touch on another household favorite brand, Smucker's Uncrustables. Smucker's Uncrustables have been a powerhouse for growth over the last several years showing double digit growth in both retail and away from home channels. And with 77% share of pre-made peanut butter and jelly sandwiches in the K through 12 channel, we enjoy very high brand awareness among consumers, both young and old. We can attribute this growth to two main reasons. One reason is, Uncrustables are simply delicious. Uncrustables are made with just the right balance of peanut butter and jelly. We only use fresh baked bread and each sandwich is quickly frozen for perfect, soft, fluffy texture when ready to eat, not soggy. All components are made by Smucker's in-house, and we only use non-GMO peanut butter and real Smucker's Gammer jelly with no high-fructose corn syrup. It is safe to say nobody can resist a delicious, uncrustable sandwich. The second reason for our success is convenience. With no prep needed, all you do is just thaw and enjoy. This provides a great on-the-go snack you can take anywhere. They also come in just the right size for a filling snack to get you by until your next meal. And because Uncrustables includes the powerful branding of Smuckers, consumers know they are enjoying a high quality product they can feel good about. While we maintain a large presence in the K through 12 setting, we have seen significant growth of Uncrustables across many different segments, including healthcare, colleges and universities, business and industry, and even government and military locations, which have shown double digit growth of upwards of 14% year over year. These stats prove Uncrustables are not just for kids. In fact, four in 10 households are buying Uncrustables with no children in the house. Uncrustables are a proven better for you snack that appeals to all ages. One thing to consider with Uncrustables is that it is a frozen product. If you have frozen vending machines, or standalone freezers, Uncrustables would be a perfect complement to ice cream and frozen meals. Now you can offer a dessert, a meal, and a snack in your freezers. If you have opportunity for micromarkets, on-site cafes, or convenience stores, Uncrustables can also be merchandised in a refrigerated setting or at ambient temperature. Before doing so, you'd want to consult with your Smucker or G&J sales representative for best practices in merchandising support. That concludes the presentation of our snacking portfolio. Thank you very much for your time today. We at Smucker are always happy to support the RSVA organization. I hope this presentation sparked some new ideas for your vending and snacking programs. For more information about our brands, don't hesitate to reach out to your Smucker or GNJ sales representative today.
2: Well, we're ready to go into our next presentation. Uh, this is gonna be uh, business adaptations to the pandemic and we have several vendors from different states um, Scott from Minnesota, Kyle from New York, Linda from Tennessee and Miles from Hawaii so I welcome you to present us thanks.
5: Miles are you on or Linda? I, Linda I, I'm you here Scott. I was okay needed. great why don't you go ahead first Miles
17: we'd love to hear from you first. Okay um, my name is Miles Thomas and I, I run the newsstand at the, um, at the Ellison Onizuka International Airport in Kailua-Kona, Hawaii. I'm on I'm on the Big Island, and um, if you're not familiar, this is the island that has um, active volcano that had been erupting for the, the last several years. In fact, I think there's still a small flow going until today. Um, I have been at the Kona airport for the last 21 years and um, I have a small newsstand um, in the Hawaiian Airlines terminal. So if you ever fly in, come and say hello. Um, Yeah, thank you. Oh, I've been a vendor for the last 29 and a half years. It's kind of long. <laughs> <laughs> do we say hello or aloha? Aloha. There we go.
12: <laughs>
5: Can you tell me? Has the pandemic affected you at all?
17: Has it changed how you do your course of business? Yes, it has. Um, for the month of April and and March. No, wait. Yeah, for the month. No, for the month of April and May, we closed. We closed totally to customers. But I had my supervisor come in and uh, maintain our vending machine. Um, I have I have four Pepsi machines and two snack machines that I, I, I um, that I own. The Pepsi machines I, we fill it ourselves. Um, so for two months we did business that way, and and it was real real slow. So the PPP. Um, the first one really helped us out, so we had a soft opening from the month of June, um, and business got a little better until until the numbers really started to rise in Hawaii, and our governor um, implemented quarantine requirements. So I live on the main island of Oahu, and. Um, <coughs> We commute I commute to work, I fly over to work and stay in Kona and, and work and um, so my wife is my business manager and so both of us we couldn't go to work from June all the way until um, I think September because of this quarantine requirement because um, if you fly in you would have to quarantine and. Um, uh, we weren't able to get the exemption. But now um, I've been working with civil defense, they run the quarantine at the Kona airport. So I've been able to, we've been able to fly in for the day and then fly back on the same day to Oahu. Because if I stay in Kona, we're gonna have to stay in the house for uh, 10 to 14 days. Um, uh, But I think now, they may lift the quarantine requirement, provided we get our shot, but we're, we're a little underage. We were still minors. <laughs> um, so. No, that's okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> but there also is the option of having the COVID tests. Um, so we are rethinking what we really should be doing because we've been flying in and out. And so I, I, we totally dependent on my employees to run. run the business properly and uh but we've we've been blessed um so slowly the numbers are coming up as far as people coming into to to corner to to vacation but um, um the international flights have still not started um so um there still are some major challenges in communication for tourists because if you're planning to come to Hawaii, it is very important to find exact find out exactly what is needed so that you do not need to quarantine. Yesterday, we had a situation where some five people came in um, to Honolulu and they didn't have the correct quarantine. Uh, they didn't have the correct COVID testing done. So they went straight back to stateside. So, I mean, that's mm. terrible. But well. it is what it is. And... Um, Oh, for, they, they pro, they're they forecasting that by um, September, things should be back to normal. I would think that would be right.
5: Well, thank you for yeah. sharing that, Miles. Thanks for sharing. Thank you. Thank you. We've been going through. Absolutely. Thank you. Uh, Linda, are you with us?
18: I am. I'm Hi, sorry, Linda. I had hate people here, so I, I wasn't able to unmute the first time.
5: Yeah, that's okay. That's okay. Uh, Linda, tell us about your business, and uh, and then tell us how COVID
18: has affected you. Okay. Well, my situation is a little different, but um, my facility is a nuclear power plant, and um, so I have kind of a predominantly a captive audience. Um, all the fun started right at the uh, just a couple of weeks short of a planned outage. Um, which is where they come in and do repairs on the reactors. So, all the administrative people were sent home to telecommute, which dropped the population to um, less than half of what it would normally be. And then all of these other people were coming in, so they had all these COVID tests in place. And um, but you know we were able to stay open and just at a uh, diminished capacity, so to speak. And the biggest problem that we ran into was, A, you know, being able to get people on site um, to do repairs, um, to deliver product, um, and then all of the, uh, the problems with the supply chain interruptions. I think that was the biggest. I do a, a big order from Vistar and a lot of it not show up because you couldn't get chips um coca-cola I, I went for months not being able to get dr pepper or bark's root beer or mellow yellow or um you know everything there were uh, ingredient shortages and aluminum shortages and then the chain shortage and um just so many different side effects of um of the pandemic that just made things crazy it forced you to think outside the box and i had to get product from places that i would not ordinarily consider and not necessarily at a very good price but you know there were still people they still needed they still needed things in the machines because the captive audience there's nowhere for them to go um if you know if we don't provide they don't have anything unless they bring it from home and very few of those do that so um, it it just made for a big challenge, and then to make things even more fun, I got sick at the end of May. Uh. So uh, my my one and only employee at the time, which happens to be my son, was forced to complete outage the last two weeks of outage on his own, and uh, and then I couldn't. I I still have not been fully back to work yet. Mm. Um, he's been taking care of things predominantly um, for almost you know coming up not too long uh, a year so I ended up hiring somebody to help him and I've been very fortunate that we are able to make enough to I can keep both of them employed keep things running the customers are happy and um, but we we had we reconfigured our working hours we, we don't go with the daytime at all um, both of my guys work at night. Uh, it makes the customers feel a little more secure. Um, and it makes them feel a little more secure because they're not having to deal with a lot of people because they both have small children. And um, it's it's a weird configuration but the customers seem to be appreciative of it and my employees definitely are.
5: Wow. wow. That, uh- my hat's off to you, Linda. That's been a huge challenge. And uh yeah, you you've done a, a good job taking care of the customer. And what a story. Someday we are going to have some great stories for our, our grandkids and whatnot. I just can't can't hardly believe some of the things I hear. It's just unbelievable. But uh yeah, thanks for sharing that, Linda. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Uh let's see. Kyle, are you on the line?
6: Yes. Can you hear me?
5: We can hear oh, you. Yeah. Fine. Good to see you, my
6: friend. Same here, same here. <laughs>
5: you got to quit bouncing off the moon, though. <laughs> oh, boy. So, Kyle, tell us tell us about your business, because you you are kind of a unique business as well. And then tell us how COVID has affected you. Oh,
6: Okay. So again, my name is Kyle Tyson. Uh, I've been a manager for about five and a half years. Uh, I live in Brooklyn, New York, and I do have a vending route uh, with six locations spread throughout Brooklyn and Manhattan. And for for anyone who doesn't know, Brooklyn and Manhattan are two out of five boroughs in New York City. And uh, ever since COVID, um, four of them shut down. So uh, I have the attorney generals, the IRS, um, two post offices, um, a state building, Uh, for community service and a SUNY college uh, campus. It's a small campus, but it's a campus. But um, only the post offices um, were really the ones that were in service. And um, even though it was open, it wasn't open to full capacity. I guess, you know, since the beginning of the pandemic, a lot of people, uh, I guess, called out sick or just didn't trust being outside. So I wasn't making the same amount of money there. and. Uh, kind of what Linda was going through uh, a lot of uh, when I would make a lot of orders, a lot of the stuff wouldn't come. And uh, I mean, a lot, I, I would make a big order. I mean, like very little came and, you know, people were upset. People were upset and uh, they were mad that they weren't getting their stuff. But, you know, I had to explain that it's not my fault, you know, but um, the SLA, um, they helped us for the the managers that were open in New York. Uh, they helped us get PPE. They made sure that we had masks, gloves, and hand sanitizer. Uh, One of the things uh, that I would also do is I would wipe the machines. I would make sure my customers would see me wipe the machine. Um, uh, Another thing that I would do is, because in the beginning, how they would say, oh, COVID, you know, would only live on surfaces for this amount of time or whatever. So I wasn't too sure. So with cash, money, and coins, I would, you know, take it out of my machine and leave it for almost a week before I would start counting it, uh, just as a, a little precaution. But uh, ever since that, I've just been um, doing those two places. And I have two more places that have start started to come back. Um, the SUNY school has started to come back more. And the uh, state building with the community service has started to come back a little more. So I'm making a little bit more money.
5: Well, good. Well, good. Uh, Thank you for sharing that, Kyle. And um, uh, yeah, so stick around. We're going to have the folks ask questions of us as well when we're done here. So no problem. uh, Yeah, thank you. Uh, Talking about my business, uh, I have three prisons. I have a community technical college. I have uh, a number of state buildings. Um, Also have my micro market at the Bureau of Criminal Apprehension. And uh, I've seen some pretty dramatic effects from COVID. Uh, In my prisons, Unfortunately for a while and off and on, I would have to suspend service to the prisons. Uh, We had an awful outbreak. I am actually, I I should clarify in the prisons, I'm actually on the units with the inmates. So, uh, that kind of changes the whole dynamic of things, but, um, it, it was unsafe for a while to be in the prisons. They had a massive outbreak of COVID inside all the prisons. So we had to just suspend service for a while it just uh it was too dangerous it was just absolutely too dangerous and uh oh like with my college uh my college they uh, on one side of the campus they pretty much suspended all classes Uh, i think there's probably only two or three classes in the entire huge building it's just empty Uh, on the other side it's more technical hands-on but they've really cut back on who's on those campuses and how long they're on those campuses? So uh, I've seen some pretty dramatic numbers fall in my sales on that side of campus. But I still do have sales. There still are people, but it's it's not like it was in the last couple of years. Um, some state buildings I have not been allowed into. I haven't been in there since last March because they're locked. And. Um, Fortunately, places like the the lottery, the lottery is still going and wide open. And if you get a winning <laughs> ticket, you can still take it in and cash it in. So <laughs> that's the good news. But uh, uh, State Services for the Blind is one of my buildings, and they have a super limited number of people. They have maybe 20 people in the building, and they have been asking for service. So I, I do to provide them because some of those folks have the struggle to get out to get ser- get food. So uh, there's not a lot in their area that's there. So. I've tried to keep that maintained, and uh, the BCA is down to just the minimal number of people in the building. So again, I've seen some massive sales drop-offs there, and uh, I, I think that will come back too here pretty soon. But um, yeah, it, it, it's been pretty devastating, and um, you know, certainly with the presence, I still have work. So I'm 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 thrilled to still be going in the limited capacity that I am going. So. Uh, we'll maybe open it up to questions here. If any uh, anybody has questions for any of our panelists, we'd love to hear them. Uh, Tyson, is there anybody on the line? Currently, right it, now.
0: Scott, no. Scott. I'm, I'm really happy to hear that Linda finally revealed her secret to her glowing personality by working <laughs> in <her> nuclear plants. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, was, I have a I, question,
2: if no one yeah. else has one. I, I um, do.
3: I just just a quick one. It's not really a question. It's a comment. Kyle, it's Karen Blackowitz. I just wanted to say hey.
6: Hey, how you doing?
3: <laughs> for, for those people, Kyle and I are on total opposite ends of the state, but
6: oh yeah, it's
2: <laughs> good
3: to hear you.
6: Same here.
2: Um, I just wanted to ask you, um, when you're getting your buildings ready to open for people, uh, has it been uh, difficult to uh, get people to even feel comfortable using machines, even when they're in the building or using your services, or have you the efforts you've made by keeping it sanitized help them to feel comfortable enough? Uh,
6: for, for me, Kyle, um, I have no problems. No one has ever said anything to me about, uh... Feeling wary or anything about getting anything from the vending machines, so I, I I think they feel safer that it's actually coming from a vending machine. You know, uh, not a lot of people are. It's not like an open store where I guess people touch things and stuff like that. So I feel like they trust it a little more.
17: Yeah, and also in co- in corner at the airport, we're an open air airport, so everything is subject to the environment. So um, people they they just go ahead and use the machine. But my employee wipes it down, but it gets it gets dusty and, you know, it re- really quickly. So to the day, it, it's always kind of
0: dusty.
18: Have you guys had any problems with, um, I've had customers, uh, let's just say, provide their own sanitation, even though my guys wipe the machines every time they touch them. Um, I've had problems with uh, keypads shorting out because they've sprayed something on them. Um, so I have one machine I've had to replace the keyboard three times in the last year yeah it's and it's pretty gross when you see what's behind it so um but that's that's the biggest problem we've had the customers don't seem to mind you know actually doing the vend but uh, apparently they are um, making their own sanitation arrangements which is a problem for us yeah I I I'll
5: address that for the inmate side of, of my business. Uh, when we go in, I feel like we're on the moon. We have on gloves. We have on two pair, two sets of masks, and a plastic shield. So we 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 look like we mean business, and we do mean business. But uh, you know, um, yeah, you just have to take those safety precautions.
2: You haven't seen any people being uh, scared to buy the products, Scott. Um, uh, with the inmates,
5: no. <laughs> the <laughs> inmates, they'll buy them as quick as we can get them in, and until their pockets are empty, they're going to buy.
8: <laughs> good, good,
2: good. Now, uh, has have you all had problems with getting enough uh, coin uh, for your machines?
18: It's not as bad as it was previously, but it's still it's still pretty. I'm, I'm seeing a less change come through. So um, the need to purchase coin is um, is there. Yeah. Uh,
5: Linda, do you have card readers on your equipment?
18: All but four machines. I have four machines left to get card readers for and the predominance of the transactions are um, through credit card, either you know swipe or uh, there's a lot of the um, the touchless, the Apple Pay, and so on. But um, yeah, it it runs anywhere from at least 50% of the transactions to as much as 70%, depending on the building.
5: Yeah, yeah, that's what I've seen too, and it 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 is a huge help to not have to go find change when when we're seeing that many purchases come through through the card readers
2: dyson do we have any raised hands
7: nothing as of yet
2: okay
6: hi oh can you hear me okay this is kyle can you hear me yeah we can oh okay sorry yeah um was anyone uh like me where like did you guys just count your money right away or did you like have like the same precautionary thing like me where it's like oh you know, COVID lives on the surfaces of these things for this amount of time. Let me wait and count later or something like that.
18: I well, personally went ahead and did mine, but I just hyper-washed my hands and sterilized anything the chains touched.
6: Um, okay. Before. Did you wear your mask while you were counting?
18: No, because i um, it, it, the way my vision is, I like to kind of see what I'm doing, and the only part of my vision that works is the bottom half. So if I put on a mask, I am truly blind, and I just really don't like that feeling. Gotcha. So, um, you know, but I, I did it in an area, an open space, with ventilation, and, um, you know, so I wasn't, like, snorting coin goo or anything. So, <laughs> you know. Oh, you, you
6: should try it. It's actually pretty good, you know? <laughs> <laughs>
5: <laughs> well, she's in a nuclear power plant, so I do worry a
8: little bit about her snorting anything. <laughs>
18: uh, you know, every everything is uh, is uh, cleansed by the radioactive presence <laughs> in the air.
6: <laughs> well, that's, that's a, the most that's unique place I've heard of the nuclear plant. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah,
17: absolutely. Yep. <laughs> well, at the airport, all of my machines are cash only. Um, the internet connection is, is kind of sketchy because there's so much electronic at the airport but sure. um, so but that really helped in, in getting enough dollar bills and in, enough quarters and coins because this way we don't need to go, we don't need to depend on our cash pickup to um you know supply of the coins so it helped a lot but when it got when covid really struck hard we um, we 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 really were running short of quarters actually yeah. Mm. I could believe that. I could easily believe yes. that. A, a yeah. question I...
5: for all of all of you is um, so you now have this money. You've waited a while, you've counted it, whatever. How was it working with your banks to deposit that those funds into your banks? Tell me a little bit about that.
6: Uh for me, uh, I... Kyle. Oh, sorry. You go.
18: No, go ahead. I'm
6: Go ahead, um... Kyle. Oh, okay. So for me, I had to, I have TD. So I had to in the beginning, um, I had to make an appointment to go in. So uh, I had to scan a, a go to a website and uh, put my name in a queue. And then they would have I would have to get a text to tell me when it's okay to come inside the bank. Hmm. And then, uh, Yeah. And then hmm. um, thank go- they, they stopped now. So thank goodness that that was annoying.
5: Uh, I can believe it. Wow. Linda, what were you going to say?
18: I had the same experience as Kyle, except I just, I had to call my branch. And um, when I got there, they just told me, because they knew I had a set day when I would go and do deposits and so on. And I would call them ahead of time and say, I'm in the parking lot. And they would have me meet them around the back of the building at the employee, or, you know, I guess the employee door. And then we had to come in we had to make sure we had masks on. They made a stop at the employee restroom. We had to wash our hands. Mm. And then they would take, you know, to the coin machine and let us, you know, if we had any coin to run. And we were the only people in the bank. Um, So, you know, and then we were escorted back out and that went on for months. And then they finally reopened the lobbies and it went kind of back to normal with social distancing and masks sure
17: miles how about you how, what was your experience well um under normal circumstances under normal circumstances we have armored car pickup but because it's so slow my wife has been going to the bank and they've been allowing her to just walk in and deposit so okay yeah but yep. i missed the armored. i missed the armored car pickup guys <laughs> I'm, I'm do sure you miss us too. <laughs> those
5: folks. It's true, and I would say I would have this uh, kind of a similar situation. I I would go to the bank, and they would say, "Once you get here, give us a call," and they would send somebody out, and then we'd meet on the front sidewalk, and then they'd take the stuff in from there. That's that's as close in as I got to the bank. So um it, it's been interesting, and I just got a note from our bank, and I do use a credit union, so that throws a little bit different spin on things, but um, I see they are talking about opening up their lobbies for just limited transactions now, that kind of thing. So um, we're, we're slowly creeping towards more normalcy.
18: Well, well, did anybody else have problems with ordering? Like, I, Because it's a federal facility, we're required to have the gold dollar coins. And um, I know... I personally had problems getting those as well as quarters. Uh, at one point, the one and only way to get quarters was to buy a thousand dollar bag of loose coin um, that they pulled from the uh, change machines. So you, you had to, you know, sort them yourself and you know count them out for whatever you needed them for. So it was kind of gross, but that was the only option for a couple of months.
3: I no, this is Karen. I can tell you I've had to pre-order dollar coins two weeks in advance, and
18: it is a $1,000 minimum. Mm-hmm. And that that's, that's the way it is here. You can only buy it by the box. They will not sell them separately. And uh, same thing, I had to order them a week in advance, and I would you know call the bank before I went to go pick up to make sure that they actually arrived. And in some cases, I was told they weren't on this delivery. And so, you know, when you're when you're supposed to have them in your machines and you can't put them in your machines, it makes it a little frustrating for everybody.
3: For for sure, Um, I can tell you, I've got around that a little bit by doing signs. Sorry for the inconvenience, but you know, you know, due to the COVID nineteen crisis, I'm having coin shortages. Please recycle your coins back into the machines. You know, I signage really helps
18: a lot i agree I, think- I had to do a lot within you know any constant communication with with um property management and stuff letting them know um about coin problems and you know soda problems and chip problems and you know just letting them know it's not that we're not filling the machines it's just the product is not getting to us and yep as soon as i have something or a reasonable substitute you know that that will be taken care of But we're putting in what we have and i'm so sorry you know there's there's not a whole lot we can do
5: no it it definitely has put a unique spin on uh how we do business that's for sure and uh, uh, artists are, are you looking for us to wrap up
2: yes i am
5: <clears throat> it's getting <laughs> okay. time
2: for our next video
5: <laughs> okay so um for two things real quick and then we'll roll that video first off i want to thank all my fellow panelists for being with us today thanks a lot thanks for sharing your experiences we really appreciate it
2: thank all you right. thank, thank you all
5: i was going to say panelists stick around for the auction we uh <laughs> 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 <Yep>. <laughs>
18: mm-hmm. Definitely we yeah.
15: The amazing Robert Vick, my favorite guy of all time. i um, thinking about him. So, uh, Robert, tell us about yourself and uh, and
19: the two operations that you run. Okay, uh, um, I'm Robert Vick, I've I've been in uh, the program since 1988. Uh, um, so I started off there, and I moved into other uh, facilities, trying to move up into bigger locations, and moved into. I, I ran at one time. I had four different facilities. I was operating for the Commission for the Blind and then got an opportunity to bid on Kirtland Air Force Base, and I bid on that and I won that location. And, um, and I've been doing that uh, since 2001. And uh, when we did that, uh, I found out about the Hennessy program and I wanted to get involved in that. Uh, I wanted to win because it said, you know, to be the best in the food service in the Air Force. And so, oh, I got to have that for sure. And so um, I didn't actually win it though until 2005, and we competed every year. And, um, it's a lot to learn because we won all the gold plates to, con- those are mini Hennessy awards with AFMC. And, um, and we repeat, but we didn't actually win until 2005 and I've S- 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 won 2005, 2009 and
15: 2011. So you can't do all that. It seems to me, uh, to go from, uh, 200 by 200, whatever you said that was to, uh, or 200 by 10 maybe, uh, to Kirtland Air Force Base without having some training in the interim. So, uh, first of all, what has what has winning the Hennessey's done for you? Because you do have, you do compete to get the contract again the next year, right? What's it? Why do you do that to win other than your ego? Uh, but it costs a lot of money to feed your ego. If that's yeah.
19: so, what's the value? Well, the the thing is, is that um, it's, it, it, I did it because. I really think that uh, I'm very competitive and having a disability, you want to be the best. You, I didn't want to be looked at someone, oh yeah, uh, Robert Vick, he runs a facility under the Randall Shepherd Act. It's like a gimme position. I want to be known as a like, no, this is Robert Vick, the Vicks Middle's country. They turn around and they operate the best facility out there. Oh, by the way, he's blind, not blindness first. I want it to be something last. I, I want to be known that it's my skills and what we do make us the best. And so in doing that, you know, I I went to CIA took classes there. Uh, I, and then uh, after we won the Hennessy in 2005, I met up with you and found out about all these other certifications. And as soon as you mentioned that I was like, man, I want to be on top of that. I want to be the best at everything I can do. And I I did the training and, um, and that helped because nobody in, in my facilities and, and actually anyone that I knew that in any of the bases had these certifications. And so I got those. And then when, after I got them, um, the people above me that were military, they wanted to get them. And so we arranged to have it set up so they could get the patients. And so what ends up happening is that everyone has the training and they get their certifications and it makes us all better. Not just one person having it. You got to spread that knowledge. And now one person isn't making that shit move forward. Now I have, I start off with five people or six people and then, and uh, with me and it's seven of us, and keeping that shit moving, we're moving better. I one person's, I got six eyes out there catching everything, and and we're making everything better. We set up new benchmarks for the Air Force and all the training for food safety, um, and uh, and all the skills that we're doing and how we run that operation. So um, that training is what's helped us do that. And and as of today, I think we have probably 16 people total that have, that have been through your training. Um, some of them aren't with me now. Um, they've actually moved on and got better jobs uh, because of their training. They were able to get land better jobs because of it. So, but it's helped us. And we have a, a, a wall that has all their certificates on it. And when I started offering these certifications and this training, I'm investing in my people. That I have a very low turnover rate. Most of the time, it's around four percent, and that's unheard of in food service. And by doing that training, um, I'm key, I'm investing in them. They have more pride in what they're doing. Um, we put those uh, certifications on their jackets, and I'm I'm keeping them longer, and they and they do better. You wouldn't believe that we look like they call us. They think people think that we're the officers club because it's so nice. It's so our, our meals, the way that we present them look like fine dining, and we're the uh, dining facility. Uh, a lot of people would call it a mess. Air Force, we call them dining facility, but, and my people have a lot of pride in what they do. Um, so when I do this, these certifications, and so I'm invested in them, and they're invested in me at the same time.
15: And I, I love to say when
0: I'm teaching in the, in the classroom
19: there and
15: Robert's sitting in the corner and I'm telling the people these certifications will help you get pay raises <laughs> and better jobs. <laughs> I look over at Robert, but Robert and I agree and I'm sure that everybody looking at this does, you know, you'd rather have a really smart whippersnapper, hard charging person for three years than a dumbass for ten.
19: Yeah. So, yeah. Well, and You know, it really helps a lot to have this because you, I, I can't be there all the time. Uh, it's a twenty-four-hour operation, so now every single uh, 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 shift has people that have this training. So they're looking for all the different things, and and they're, they let me know, and and we come up with stuff way before things happen. So and and we're always on top of it. In our dining facility, a lot of places, uh, when you take on, you know, we get inspected all the time um, by public health, and we're the model facility. They bring people to our facility. And say, "This is how you need to run a facility." I would rather have that than to be the one where they're trying to take me to somewhere and say, "This is what you need to be." All right, I'm the one that's the example, and and that feels good, you know. It's uh, uh, it the average airman. Is the average airman
15: coming through to see all that? I'm I'm sorry, I didn't hear you. The customer, your airman do you see that, do, they, do you think they can tell see the difference? Oh yes,
19: definitely. Oh, they. they we, we get told all the time it's the best dining facility in the Air Force um, that they they just can't believe the the type of food and service that they get with us. And part of that is too, it's not just because of the training. It's, it's a, there's a lot more to it, but the training helps. But one of the things is, is that I've been there so long. We've been there over 20 years. A lot of my employees have been with me as long as I've been there, all right? I have 20 out of 40 people that have been there the full 20 years. That's how long I've kept them. And some of them are uh, only 15 years and 10 years. I only have like maybe four that's only been with me a year. Um, so the, the what they see is that beauty um, is there. All right. We're, I'm going to because uh, the operations that are run by the military, sometimes they're only there for three months in that facility and then they're moved off to another location and, and another position. And so they, they're they learning to be a cook as they're starting to learn it. and They're just now starting to learn it. They move on. So they never master what they're doing. My, my staff has mastered what they're doing. It doesn't matter. And I have a lot, I have uh team people right now with disabilities that work with me. And, um, and they, you can't tell that they have a disability because they are the best at their job. I mean, you, you know, that they have a disability, but in their job, it's not a disability because we go on their abilities, not their disabilities. And so, uh, what they can't do if they're someone that has prosthesis and they can't run the mop machine we make sure that they're doing something that they can do if someone else does the job that they would have done um so that we work hand in hand so it's all the way around it's it's helped us the, from the training and investing in our people the motivation that they get well, some of the uh, extra things that you do uh, recently i was doing a class
15: just a couple months ago with robert or a month ago uh, and he needed, uh, because of the air force inspection coming in, he they needed something on COVID. So I put together a COVID training program, uh, for Robert specific with his vittles and specific to his operation. We, you know, we can do that or, uh, but, uh, I want to close this with, tell us what you do. That's really special. I haven't ever seen anywhere with that video and other videos that we've done for you on food safety. Uh, how do you train
19: the people? What's your, your video, your screens around? Oh, yeah, so in, in our kitchen, we have um, video screens at every hand wash sink. And uh, we, we play snippets of those, um, uh, of our training. Like if this week, it's gonna be about food safety. And so the temperatures, we might do, be doing the temperatures and it's less than uh, 20, about 30 seconds or so, 30 seconds to a minute max. Each video. It's called, your restaurant's called? It's Fiddles Country Kitchen. And it's in what city? Albuquerque, New Mexico. And And do you take take visitors? I'm sorry? You accept visitors?
15: I'm sorry. Visitors who want to stop in and eat. Oh,
19: yeah. Come over and eat and Hmm. check this out. So, yeah, I got bored in 2014. Since we weren't competing, I opened a restaurant. So, and it's doing really good. It's a a country kitchen, and um, this this, uh, pandemic hasn't helped us much, but. We've been adapting and overcoming. Matter of fact, we used our training. Um, in the HACCP training, we actually changed it from food to uh, about the, for COVID itself. Look at the hazardous points that we can control and how we need to sanitize and what we need to do to keep everyone safe. And so all that training we did, our um, charts based on that, on the training that I got for Hassan And so that's how we keep everything safe in our restaurant. And we, we were doing things before, CDC and everyone else was mandating stuff. We were already
20: doing it. Have a good day. At PepsiCo, every morning, we get up and go to work on a mission to create more smiles, every sip, and every bite. Already, we inspire one billion smiles every day. We begin before dawn on farms and fields in 60 countries around the world, where we source our raw ingredients. Improving the lives of farmers by providing them with training and resources to increase productivity, resiliency, and sustainability. We're aiming to conserve nature's precious resources at every step through next-generation agriculture and positive water impact. Doing our part to curb climate change, striving to build a circular future for packaging, and a world where plastics need never become waste offering improved choices across our portfolio and creating smiles in our community where we don't just meet basic needs, we feed potential. We create smiles for over 260,000 passionate associates, from meaningful opportunities for work and advancement in a diverse and inclusive workplace and for our customers by being the best possible partner, driving game-changing innovation and delivering a level of growth unmatched in our industry. We create smiles for our consumers through our delicious and nourishing products. We build brands with purpose and inspire generations with music, sports, and fashion. And smiles for the shareholders who have championed our growth for decades. More than 50 years ago, Don Kendall and Herman Lane sealed their partnership with a handshake. Today, PepsiCo is an integral part of the way the (laughs) world lives, loves, laughs, drinks, and eats. And we're just getting started. Our future is limited only by our imagination, so we're dreaming big. Harnessing our talent, ingenuity, and passion to become a faster, stronger, and better company. So why stop at 1 billion smiles? Our new goal is to deliver 2 billion smiles every single day all across the world. One sip and one bite at a time.
8: Ooh.
5: Oh, that sounded so good. Thank you guys from the truck. That sounded amazing.
2: <laughs> okay. Well, ready for our next presentation. Uh, we're going to have updates from ACB from the president of the American Council of Blind, Dan Spoon. Oh, thank
21: you. Oh, okay. Thank you, artists. Thank you so much for inviting me uh, here this afternoon uh, for the Sagebrush uh, conference. And it, uh, seems hard to believe that it was just uh, you know a year ago that we were all at the golden nugget uh, you know enjoying each other's uh, company in person and uh, you know spending a little time at uh, chick-fil-a in the lobby there and that wonderful <laughs> chocolate store it's uh, you know uh, get, getting something special for our sweethearts for valentine's day so it's, it's amazing uh, the difference that a year makes but I want to Thank artists and Dan and Scott and Karen and Michael and Linda and, and all the folks I, I feel like I, I know every voice I hear there from Sagebrush this year. So I want to congratulate you on a wonderful uh, uh, Convention and I want to give a special shout out to uh, Rick and Tyson. I just can't say enough of how our ACB uh, radio team and our volunteers have just stepped up to support all of our affiliate uh, virtual conventions and uh, I'd love to give uh, Rick and Tyson a big round of applause so thanks to those guys for all their hard work. Um, so uh, just, I just want to tell you I, I really want a little bit of Robert's energy that 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 is a guy after my own heart who is really striving for accountability and And uh, really doing things uh, the right way the first time and uh, being very intentional about how he goes about uh, developing his business. And uh, I've loved hearing from uh, Bachman Turner Overdrive and taking care of business in and out of the (laughs) sessions this weekend. That's been great. And, uh, you know, I got to tell you, um, you know, uh, it was really interesting to hear the conversations with Karen and Michael and Scott yesterday. With the uh, SLAs and the vendor committees and, and how you all are kind of working through those challenges. And it was really interesting to listen to everybody's stories of how COVID uh, impacted their businesses, some positive, some negative, but uh, you just see it everywhere you go that uh, there's no doubt that it, it has been a tremendous disruptive force. And I'm very curious to see how things uh, proceed uh, a year from now? What you know? What will the new normal be? And I think that's something we're all adjusting to. Uh, that's also been the case with the American Council of the Blind. Uh, 2020 was a year like no other, and uh, so first I want to thank R.S.V.A. And, and all of our strong affiliates who really stepped up to the plate when we had to make the decision to go for a virtual convention last year and. And we had three months to kind of pull everything together and try to really um, you know, pull off a, kind of our first ever virtual convention after 59 years. We were all sad that we couldn't be in Schaumburg, Illinois. But I was so proud of our organization. And I can hear the pride in your all's voices this week uh, that everybody kind of stepped up to the plate, uh, did what they could do. And it was really powerful to see what all of us working together uh, could accomplish with the uh, and for the American Council of the Blind. I, I really felt like Janet Dickelman and her team and the ACB radio broadcasters and the ACB staff really all pulled together, and we were able to put on a you know a convention that. You know that featured eight days of at least 12 hours of live programming with a sold out set of uh, 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 exhibit hall uh, vendors.
14: Hello, the my audio name is Ted Drake and I'm the global accessibility. 10
21: or 12 uh, wonderful uh, virtual tours with audio description of different parks and museums and the White House. Uh, we had 108 breakout sessions uh, with our 400 panelists. Uh, prime time shows, uh, you know, wonderful banquet, and uh, it was, it was really ACB I thought at its finest. And I want to thank again everybody for stepping up to that challenge. Uh, we also were presented last year with, uh, you know, uh, a situation where when the when the COVID virus happened, you know, how do we get together? How do we stay connected during these times where we can't meet in person? And that kind of led to the to the invention of our community events, uh, which have continued to grow uh, through the uh, the guidance of Cindy Hollis, our membership services uh, coordinator. Uh, we now, and I know, artists and her, whether wearing one of her other hats, has done a very good job with the member uh, the membership services team, and also being a member of the Burl Colley. Uh, leadership uh, institute team, but we are now uh, averaging over 80 community events a week over 300 a month, Uh, it has really energized our membership, Uh, it has helped us, you know, help each other console each other teach each other uh, embrace each other learn from each other it's it's blind people helping blind people live a good life for 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 all of us and it's it's just been extremely powerful and rewarding to see how that has progressed throughout the year. Uh, from a financial situation, we were really worried at the end of March as as I heard from many of our vendors today of what kind of a financial impact would ACB take in 2020 with the you know our investment portfolio falling by 30 percent the convention in jeopardy sponsors pulling out of 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 events and we were really fortunate that our membership stepped up Uh, the convention was a really big success our thrift stores really took a significant hit and Went from you know three hundred and fifty thousand dollars a year worth of profit to under a hundred thousand, but we were able to apply for PPP loans, which helped uh, you know kind of get us through. We were able to keep paying our employees through the downturn at the thrift stores. They were actually closed for several months. Hearing those stories from the vendors this afternoon brought all of that back. But we rebounded. They're open now. They're now uh, working at about 75 to 80 percent of where we were pre-COVID. So they're bringing in positive returns, and we were able to kind of what are the you know um, uh, what are the really difficult times there, and actually ended the year in the black, which was uh, you'll hear about that at our our board of directors meeting on Saturday. Uh, but really, a, a, a huge kind of turnaround and comeback, and luckily, investment uh, portfolio kind of rebounded as well with the with the rise in the stock market. So, uh, financially, we are in a very healthy position uh, going into twenty twenty one. Again, we are going to do our DC leadership conference uh, for the first time ever virtually this year where so we're, we're walking on Capitol hills with our fingers and our in our zoom uh, rooms and not with our feet. So, uh, you know, given all the unrest at the Capitol it's it's not been a bad timing because the offices aren't even really open right now for in person visits so. It's kind of worked out well for us. Uh, We've had over 300 people sign up for the DC Leadership Conference. I think it's really an opportunity for people who normally didn't have the time or perhaps the financial wherewithal to go to DC. Uh, They're going to get to participate through Zoom and we're gonna have more than twice as many people involved as we normally have because uh, you know, all you need is a, uh, you know, a phone or a, or a computer and you can make that connection and we believe we'll be able to have, you know, face to face contact with constituents in people's districts with their local representatives, which is kind of exciting. Uh, so it's, it's different. Uh, we have been able to bring in a lot of really good high quality people to speak with us over the president's meeting and the two day leadership seminar which will be Sunday, uh, February 21st, starting at uh, 10 o'clock through Tuesday at about six o'clock. And so uh, we're going to, uh, you know, here have a series of breakout sessions. If you've registered, you'll be able to listen to all of them on Zoom. They'll also be available through the ACB internet radio channels, uh, both mainstream uh, live event and special event. Uh, where you can log on and hear them there, as well as call in through our ACB phone numbers. Uh, so there's uh, you know lots of ways to participate in the DC leadership conference. I, we all wish we were there in person as, Ray Campbell said the other day he's really missing his trip to Legal Seafood for a nice dinner. and uh, But we'll, we'll be back together uh, next year, I know, and uh, I think this, again, kind of gives us a unique opportunity to involve many more of our members. Um, the convention will once again be virtual this year. It was going to be in Phoenix, but instead it's going to be uh, virtual. Our theme is better together wherever we are, which seems appropriate for this year. Uh, Gonna take kind of the same format that we did uh, last year. We're going to start uh, Friday the 16th of July and run through the 23rd. Hopefully if it all works out well, the Olympics opening session will, uh, opening night ceremonies will be uh, the day that our uh, convention uh, ends. And we're hoping to kind of do an audio description of, the opening session and rolling from uh, you know rolling from the ACB convention to the start of the Olympics which could be really really cool. Uh, it's going to be fun. So uh, so we're looking forward to just a really uh, good convention again this year. Uh, please uh, we love all that RSVA does at the convention and how much they get involved with their, their workshops and luncheons and all that and auctions and, and hope to uh, you know, see you guys uh, participating in a very big and strong way again this year at our at our national convention. It'll be our 60th, kind of the Diamond Jubilee Convention for the American Council of the Blind. So who, who can believe 60 years we've been fantastic. Um, from an organizational standpoint, we have worked uh, really hard to kind of take our 36 committees and roll them into nine uh, program services so nine key program services that support our organization and it has allowed us to kind of integrate our staff our board of directors and our committee chairs to kind of get that feedback from the bottom up and from the from the sideways with the staff and from the top down with the board and and pull everybody together. Uh, to hopefully set a set of goals that everybody can work on inside of each of the programs. So those nine programs are the Convention Steering Committee, Advocacy, uh, Member Services, Information Referral, and Peer Support, which we've learned through the whole COVID pandemic, and I think we knew that before, but we are averaging over 2,000 phone calls and emails to our offices each month of people that are looking for services, for help, for guidance. And so we really believe this is an important area where we can really grow uh, our services for the blind and visually impaired impaired community by being good mentors and providers of information referral and peer support. Uh, Claire uh, Stanley, when she was with us, she termed it the ERPS committee and that's kind of stuck so that's one of our program services committees and then we have scholarship and awards and last year we had our initial uh, kind of joint uh, merger with AFB the American Foundation for the Blind with their scholarships and with the American Council of Blind Scholarships and we are now uh, you know, they have provided us their their funding, and we have now integrated that funding into the ACB scholarship. So we now have 21 scholarships that offer over ninety two thousand uh, dollars in funding for for 21 uh, you know lucky uh, students each year. And so that has really turned into a uh, an exciting um, kind of growth area for ACB. Then we have our public awareness steering committee where we are, you know, kind of coordinating with the Board of Publications and really working through PR, ACB radio, and other areas to really develop what you'll hear about at the DC Leadership Conference, which is the future of communications, which is the ACB media network. So, We have kind of grown beyond just internet radio. We now have live streaming with video. Uh, We have a a wonderful array of podcasts that are served up through a new system we bought called Pinecast. And we continue to integrate uh, the, the, the offerings through our community events. We now have a community events channel inside of ACB radio. So it is really kind of the right time for us to take the next step. The board approved a position for us to go out and hire a community communications and marketing coordinator and that position will be posted here right after the DC leadership conference with the expectation that that person will come on board at the beginning of April. So a lot going on in that area. We're also working to really, I loved what Robert said earlier, really bring accountability to the American Council of the Blind. We are implementing a new um, operating methodology called the Entrepreneurial Operating System or TRACTION, uh, which is featured by Gene Wickman. And what it really does is try to help kind of walk you through the six core processes that allow you to run a business, whether it be a for-profit business or a non-for-profit business. So those are really first understanding your your strategic plan, what uh, he would call your vision traction organizer. So what's your one, three, and five year strategic plan? Uh, what are your financial goals, your market, your target market, your niche, you know, what defines you as an organization, what makes you a value added uh, differentiator from other groups inside of uh, the blind and visually impaired community. So that's kind of the first piece of the pie. The second is really understanding your people. Are your people living up to your core values? And in ACB, we have established our five key core values as an organization. The first is integrity and hon- honesty, then respect collaboration, flexibility, and boy, we've really challenged that one this year, and then initiative, and initiative is really important that we can pass, you know, a committee a staff person to kind of take the lead and drive something home and take that, that lead position and have the initiative to get it done. And we see that happening over and over again inside of our organization. So it's very important for us to define our people. We're now having an employee evaluation process that'll be done through eos that'll be streamlined and consistent across both our offices in minneapolis and alexandria then the next area that i hear you all talk a lot about is data you know how do you measure your success what does your membership look like what does your what do your financial look financials look like month to month what Uh, You know, what what are you looking like from social media? Is Twitter and Facebook and YouTube, are those platforms growing for you? How do you see your membership growth take? So we're trying to put in key metrics to measure each of our programs and see how they're developing. Fourth area is really the area of issues and resolving issues. And we learn over and over again that If we're not careful inside of ACB we'll kind of get that circular firing squad going where we just kind of talk about things and talk about things and so we have implemented a meeting structure called the L10 uh, which is a format that allows us to have really productive meetings where you kind of go through define your quarterly objectives or your rocks you get your list of to-dos you identify your highlights you measure your data to see how you're reaching those goals And then you spend the major portion of the meeting doing what they call IDS, which is identify, discuss, and solve the biggest issues that are impacting your organization. And then we're finding that when we really put the leadership team together and concentrate on those, then those will drive a set of to-dos or action items that we then have to go and measure ourselves against to get them completed, uh, you know, in a timely basis over the next one, two weeks or a month. So that has really helped us to create a kind of a culture of accountability, and then, um, and, and then uh, you know I think within all of that, uh, the, the next step of the process is really is process streaming and process mapping and really understanding your key processes and how those key processes work. And we're learning again. We'll have a breakout session on membership services. We're learning that as we map our processes and kind of understand our to be and our as is, we really strike get a good flow going and we can work with our membership to learn how we can improve so again all towards improvement. And then the last piece of the traction pie is really feedback and continued traction and improvement so as you kind of go through each year and then each year is a new year where you set your one three and five year goals and measure yourself against your Uh, your objective. So I think uh, that has been an area that we've uh, really strived to increase this year and the staff uh, has really embraced it. Uh, So I'll say one last thing. We also have had really good success with our audio description project here each this year. uh, They have worked very hard. We now have a settlement agreement with HBO Max. So you're going to see 1500 hours of that content come out with audio description in March leading to over 6,000 hours uh, by the end of next year. In addition to that, we have relationships now with Netflix, with Amazon, with Apple Plus, with Disney Plus. So you're just seeing a whole plethora of audio description content that's being delivered outside of even your standard TV and cable channels. And, And that whole world, you talk about an area that's been disrupted it is the world of uh, cable and streaming. And I think we are positioned very well to take advantage of that over the next five or 10 years. So with that said, uh, I guess, uh, Artis, I'll, I'll leave it at that and uh, take a few minutes to answer people's questions.
8: Oh. Okay,
2: if anyone has a, a quick question for Dan, uh, please raise your it. hand.
5: Yeah, Artis, can I ask a couple questions before people jump Go on? Oh, right ahead. Dan, is Scott? My exploding. <laughs> my head is exploding. I heard <laughs> so many things that RSV <laughs> they need we need to team up with you. I can yes. the first thing I'm going to ask you is: can you and I at some point get together privately? Because I have tons of questions. You have really sparked a whole bunch of stuff in me. Okay. Um, I, I want to learn more. I want to learn more from you about a number of things. But two things I'm going to highlight with you right now. Uh, the first off is this group is really dedicated to do more legislative issues, mm-hmm. and um, somehow we need to team up with that, but we can, we can talk about that later on as well. Also, we're talking and please about please do, we, we need more. to
21: integrate, you know, uh, Jeff, our, our advocacy steering committee is led by Clark Rackful and Jeff Tom, and I know Jeff Tom is a, a huge ally of RSVA. Yep. And I, yep. you know, let, let's, let's have those conversations, Scott. I completely agree.
5: Yes. And then, yeah, the, the training piece, I, um, actually a couple things with the training piece, you know, there's, we, we want to form an alliance and I don't want to say too much about it, but we wanted to form an alliance that we've already talked about earlier today. And I hear some things in ACB that we need to be deeper partners and really create something in my mind right now is going amazing. This could be really amazing. Um, so I, I want to talk to you about those kind of things as well. Um yeah, I, I kind of I got so excited here, I kind of lost my train of thought, but well I <laughs> tell you, um
21: the 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 traction, the 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 entrepreneurial operating system yeah. and the methodology yes. with traction has really, I think, started to really make become a differentiator inside of ACB because it's it's structured us differently we now get together each week and we talk about our our quarterly rocks or goals for that quarter and we've got it documented what are our to do's you know if you you know on sunday i got a list of everything i need to get done by the next thursday you know so it kind of drives you and then you have that kind of peer reinforcement that you got to get Back with your folks at the end of the week and 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 stand up there and deliver or or explain why you didn't, uh, and so I think that that has a, a real um, you know has a real cultural impact, and we've we started with our leadership team, but we've now started to roll it out to our um, nine program steering committees, and it has been really very well embraced at, at each of those uh, steering committee meetings. So,
8: yeah,
5: great, and, and I hear some connection that. Uh, We're doing these uh, bi-monthly phone-ins, and there's a piece there I really want to examine that we could maybe use that for ourselves. And like I said, I I, I can see a deeper connection between RSVA and ACB working on some things. And I, I hear some strength in your organization, and I really want to tap into that. And I want us to become bigger and stronger with your help and ACB's help.
21: Well, that'd be great. Love, love to participate. Yep, you, you're part of us. So it's, it's not us and them. It's all of us.
2: Well, thank you, Dan, for being on the program. We appreciate it. And I know ACB has really gone all out with the community events, and I think RSBA should take more advantage of that and put some of our uh, calls, more of our calls, on the uh, community event calendar. I think it would give us more outreach to outsiders. Oh, I think
21: so. And of course, they're national artists. And I think there's a real opportunity there, even for recruiting, you know, to get new people excited about uh, becoming vendors.
2: Yes, definitely. Definitely. Okay. Uh, Scott, would you you like to give us the beginning code? Oh,
21: Thank you, Dan. Yes. Have, it, have Enjoy the rest of your conference. I know my wife will be on at 4.30 for the auction. She she's, <laughs> she's, she's donated an item, and
14: she is excited about bidding. So, well,
2: thank you. <laughs> yeah, All right, good
14: luck. It. Okay, have Thanks. a good afternoon. So Bye-bye. Uh-huh. Hello, my name is Ted Drake, and I'm the global accessibility leader for Intuit, the makers of QuickBooks, TurboTax, Mint, T-Sheets, and Credit Karma. We've been a proud sponsor of the Sagebrush Conference for Randolph Shepard vendors, and we look forward to this year's virtual event. We've all been affected by the COVID pandemic, but this is especially true for small business owners. For many, there have been few opportunities to adapt to the closed buildings, reduce tourism, and shift to virtual universities and government work. Add into it. Our success metrics are based on powering prosperity of small businesses. Our goal is to increase the number of businesses that succeed past the five year mark. So we've taken significant steps to help small businesses survive the COVID shutdowns and transformations. I'd like to share some of these tools with you. Laura Belaz is into its chief marketing officer and the general manager of strategic partnerships. She explained, In service to our company's mission of powering prosperity around the world, it was imperative that Intuit offer a response that best serves our local and global communities, customers, and small businesses by focusing on what matters most during this time, putting money into the pockets of consumers and small businesses when they need it most. Intuit has created a resource site for businesses like yours. It's located at quickbooks.intuit.com slash small hyphen business slash coronavirus. One word, coronavirus. Once again, that's quickbooks.intuit.com slash small hyphen business slash coronavirus. You'll find links on this page to the resources I'm about to share. Intuit's Aid Assist website includes tools to help small businesses access the Paycheck Protection Program loans and estimate the tax credits for 2020. You can access these at aidassist.intuit.com. That's aid aidassist.intuit.com. These tools have helped businesses apply for and receive millions of dollars in loans. Intuit's tools will help you understand if you are eligible for a first or second loan and the process for loan forgiveness. You can also estimate how much benefit you can receive from the employee retention credit, paid leave credits, and potential for tax deferral. Here are some additional resources to emerge stronger from the pandemic. Crisis events force us to reevaluate our goals and how to be successful. Intuit has created a series of videos, workshops, articles, and materials to help you rebuild your business and expand your opportunities. Intuit launched a video conferencing platform to support businesses and their customers and employees. This provides a secure, private conversation that would have taken place in person. You can share notes, create action items, and save a transcript for later reference. You can access this at accelerate.intuit.com. That's accelerate.intuit.com. A-C-C-E-L-E-R-A-T-E.intuit.com. You can also announce that you're reopening with a series of customizable posters, social media posts, signage, and much more with our marketing support site. These free templates make it easy to create professional announcements for your business. Intuit has also partnered with GoFundMe, that's G-O-F-U-N-D-M-E, GoFundMe, to help you create campaigns for your loyal customers to help you reopen and expand your businesses. Intuit has worked with companies to provide special discounts for COVID responses. You can get discounts for credit monitoring, printing, insurance, and more. Finally, the future is in your hands and knowledge is going to power your prosperity. Intuit has worked with business leaders to provide articles, interviews, and town hall meetings. All of these, as well as links to the government and health resources are available at our COVID-19 Small business resource website. It's located at QuickBooks.intuit.com slash small business slash coronavirus. That's one word, coronavirus. Once again, QuickBooks.intuit.com slash small business slash coronavirus. Thank you and enjoy the Randolph Shepherd Sagebrush Conference.
10: Okay. Hi, this is Lydia Washington with the Bureau of Engraving and Printing, producers of U.S. currency. First, let me say that it's a pleasure speaking to you today. I wanted to remind listeners that as part of the U.S. government's Meaningful Access Initiative, the Bureau of Engraving and Printing is providing free currency reader devices to U.S. citizens and legal residents who are blind or visually impaired to assist them with the denomination of all U.S. currency notes in circulation. The iBill Talking Banknote Identifier is a small, handheld device about the size of a key fob, which makes it convenient to carry and use during everyday financial transactions. When a user inserts a note and pushes the button on the side of the device, the currency reader announces the note's denomination in one of three modes. A clear, natural voice, a pattern of tones, or a pattern of vibrations for privacy. The vibration mode is also helpful for those who are blind and deaf. The iBill uses a AAA battery, which is included, also included in the box are instructions in Braille, large print, and a CD. And for those who would prefer a digital option, the BEP also has two free mobile applications available for download for Apple and Android smartphone users. The iNote, that's E-Y-E, Note, for iOS, and the Ideal Currency Identifier for Android users. To date... More than 79,000 currency readers have been requested, and there have been more than 103,000 downloads of BEP-sponsored mobile apps. The iBill currency reader device and mobile apps are ideal for anyone having problems identifying their U.S. currency notes. Although neither the device nor mobile apps authenticate notes, they do provide those with vision impairments or blindness with a means of added independence and security and are being used by business owners and individuals of all ages across the country. To obtain a free currency reader for yourself or someone else, mail in an application form to the Bureau of Engraving and Printing, along with verification of a visual impairment signed by a certifying authority, such as a doctor or other medical professional. The fillable form can be found on the Bureau's website at www.moneyfactory.gov in both English and Spanish. Registered patrons of the National Library Service for the blind and print disabled need only to contact NLS directly. I'm also pleased to announce that we have a special program in place to assist healthcare, care, social welfare organizations with their bulk clientele demonstration and distribution needs. If you would like an application sent to you or if you have any questions about our programs, please call the U.S. Currency Reader Program information line toll free at 844 815 9388 or email meaningful.access at bep.gov please note that due to the pandemic situation there is currently an extended delay on currency reader fulfillment once again thank you for listening and don't forget to spread the word
2: okay well those were two great videos and now we're coming to our next session which is going to be updates and changes to Social Security and Medicare. Now, this uh, section is not going to be recorded, so take your good notes. And we always supply uh, copies of her monthly updates, both um, in our um, email distribution email, which is rsva-announce at um, acblist.org. And we also put it on our website, so you can always look for those, too. Artist Dan, Absolutely. and Scott,
5: if I could. Sure, yeah. turn right. We have to shut this room down so that we can auction schedule this, right?
2: Correct.
5: Mm-hmm. So sweet, but I also want to be the first. Well done.
0: Everybody. Thank, thank you, Rick and Tyson. You, you're really mostly responsible for making all this happen and making it come off yeah. so smooth absolutely you you've
5: been the glue that's held us together and you've made us look so good and we just appreciate what you do in
3: the background it's well, just
5: been a, well you're very definitely welcome, but i, I just yeah, want to let you welcome. know that you know sure I, I've, I've been to a bunch of sage brush yeah
3: uh rick if i if i may just have the floor for just a few minutes there's an awful lot of thank yous that have to go out and i would like to start number one with our just amazing chair of Sagebrush, Scott Egg, and thank you for everything you did and do and will continue to do. Um, you put on just amazing presentations and I look forward to working with you down the line um, and I'm excited about it. Dan, what can I say about you, Dan? You've been a mentor to all of us. We respect and love you dearly. Artists, all the background work you do between the, the sponsors, the paperworks keeping us all organized, keeping us all in line when we need it, you know, a, a spank once or twice a day when we need it, we all just cherish you so much. To all the board members uh, that participated and helped out with the planning, you're, you're all awesome people. Rick, what can I say about you, Rick? You have that voice that just melts me. Uh, you're amazing. Tyson, you're so dedicated and, and wonderful with everything you do. Um, just want to make a big thank you to everybody who was part of the planning and the executing of Sagebrush 2021 virtually. And I'll be quiet and turn it over to Scott now. <laughs> and, yes, and, and With that,
5: I'm gonna say, remember Sagebrush 2022 is not that far away, it comes quick. Anybody looking to be on our committee, we have a good time. We and we are going to be having a little celebration after this is all done. If you want to be a part of this next year and come and have a great time with us, get to know people really well and uh, have a little celebration afterwards, check us out, come join us. So